We're back. We got Doug back. <laughs> Is that from The Hangover? That was The Hangover. That's awesome. Yeah. Guess who's back? We've got our friend back. We've got Doug back. How about a little Malice in the Chalice now Started that we're back? Off. All right, yeah. man. We got our to-go margaritas again, guys. We actually did. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was actually yeah. open this time. Yeah. You know, that- Shout out to places, you know, kind of taking extra precautions. Like, they are open, but they are doing a really good, like, setting where only every other table you can sit at. They wouldn't have anyone within 10 feet of each other, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, the girl inside that offered us the margaritas, at first she kind of stared at me because I was like, where is the restroom here? And she's like, wait, you don't know where the restroom is? I was like, well, this is the first time I've actually been inside. Yeah, before you, you wouldn't allow us <laughs> past the door, so <laughs> trying to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. But I think she thought I was saying like a new Spanish word and just stared at me. She's like thinking I said something dirty or something. I was like, where's the restroom? She's like, what did you say to me? I was like, uh, where's the restroom? Do they not say this anymore? <laughs> where where so you gotta, is you gotta be extra sensitive about you. what we say these days oh uh, yeah mm. no but <laughs> so guys for those of us who are looking on youtube in our uh, image that we got in front of you here we'll try to describe it for the people in the podcast but we are officially out of any sort of the books for game of thrones so yeah. uh dance with dragons is over is man. over we are fully into Benninghoff <laughs> and wise's productions and as you see in front of us, there are no books, but we got some uh, some new stuff. We try to put it all together to kind of correlate with what's going on in the season. So, uh, Chase, you want to kind of take a take them through what they're looking at here? Yeah, since you know we're all big on the Hallmark station over here. You know, me and Josh trying to get our Hallmark licenses. Um, so, if you got your notepads out, kind of what we have now. Uh, <laughs> if you notice, we actually have the three dragons up here because this is a pretty big season, especially for visually stunning. Yes. Um, I think this is the season really where you start to see, I think things, a lot of things come full circle. Yeah. Like full circle starting is what too, I would say. For sure. Um, but yeah, you got Viserion actually on top, which we're going to find out what happens later. Uh, you notice you got John on the left, uh, Danny on the right, still in the middle. You got the throne. Of course you got the king of all the dragons you got drogon and then you got Rhaegal on the left which is kind of a little bit of foreshadowing there being next to john and of course you got the big man on top kind of foreshadowing what's to come later yeah. next to Viserion. we got the three bottles here the ones that they do uh self the johnny walker Popping bottles in the ice like a blizzard so over here we've got the uh, stark wolf We've got the Targaryen dragon, and we also have the White Walker here in the middle, which is why the Night King is on top of the White Walker bottle. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there was, a, there was a rhyme and reason for everything that you're seeing, guys. We're not just throwing it together, but I just thought it was pretty nice to uh, kind of go through that a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, so, and uh, you know, thanks to you guys, you know, our numbers have been jumping up lately, which is pretty cool. Uh, September 14th, we actually uh, get to be on the pod being featured list so it's kind of a while from now but that'll now be cool. what does that actually mean is that like us being on the home page so when you log, like when you click into like pod podbean.com we're one of the ones that you see like on their like front page that's what that means yeah so what's uh really cool you know thanks to the guys at podbean um you get to be on it once which is really cool and from monday through that sunday so we'll be on there for a whole week We'll be on the front page of the website. We'll be on the front page of the app uh, the entire week under the featured, which is nice. You know, like so there's you a tab, to, there's a featured tab, and then when you select the featured tab, that's where you see it. It'll say like featured. Okay. Like all the ones you see with the big cover arts that scroll, 
that are like, hey, you know, check these out. These are the big hot ones, uh, hot topics of the week kind of thing. Uh, we'll be right on there, which is pretty cool. So mm-hmm. September 14th, a ways from now, but something to look forward to. Yeah, he, he was he was in the uh, communicating with one of the directors of the actual site, and they were going. They had a couple emails back and forth, and so we were able to uh, to get that accomplished, which was pretty cool. It's definitely something that's going to help set us even more in the right direction than we're already trending, man. Yeah, and you know, uh, Apple Podcast, we keep getting great reviews there, um, and then YouTube, you know, that keeps climbing a little bit, so. Uh, you know, we thanks to you guys, we keep making upgrades on our end. And For I sure. think what's uh, big about this season is this is kind of really where you start to see there's kind of big differences, I think, between George's plan, maybe, uh, and then like what happened, or you kind of start to see some of the details taken out a little bit. But I do have to say uh, the show is visually stunning i mean this is where this season is where you'll see a lot of the snapchats and gifs of things with dragons and you know yeah i gotta say the scenery is absolutely beautiful in this show yeah you know and the thing is and it's kind of sad because it's almost like the michael bay syndrome like the the storylines kind of suffer because the budget goes more towards the visual effects which they are very special and they are very memorable but again, that comes at the detriment of other stuff, which we'll we'll break down here as well. Yeah. Um, just before we get started, don't forget you can always follow us on social media. Uh, Ridiculous Patronus on Instagram. Uh, also, you can go to our website, uh, ridiculouspatronus.com, or you can type in ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. And also, too, now that we're talking about those, we're going to be creating a Twitter here in the next few days, so you'll be able to find us on Twitter. And then also, we do have TikTok as well. We're going to be putting some fun content on TikTok, and that's just at uh, ridiculouspatronus uh, for for TikTok. Which I've never done a TikTok. We're going we're gonna to try. <laughs> I always <laughs> picture, like... I always want So like what TikTok was, it was basically like music.ly before. So you can pretty much like pause it. There's special effects that you can do. It's like Vine on steroids. Gotcha. I always thought it was like you like put in you try to solve like a, a code or a puzzle and then you get like dirty pictures or something. <laughs> I was like, I don't know about this TikTok thing, man. And Twitter, we're gonna be getting Twitter at some point. I know a lot of people have been asking us about yeah. that. So we realize that's a necessity. Yeah, we <laughs> I didn't think people wanted to hear every time, you know, me and Josh are into the bathroom or brushed our teeth, but I guess people <laughs> do. So <laughs> that's always a good thing. Thanks to you. Yeah, guys. and we'll also be making a LinkedIn page as well. I'm um, coming up pretty soon. So that way there's going to be no platform where we are not on. And yeah, hopefully uh, we're going to be coming on Pandora uh, pretty soon. So uh, that just takes a long time to go through. So yeah. uh, good stuff. But yeah, you whatever you say, we go ahead and dive yeah, into it. You know how we do it, guys. We give you a quick little rerun of what we spoke about last time, uh, last week when we were here. Uh, so last week we, we learned a little bit that... Uh, um, Number one, about Benjamin, him, him leaving Mir and Bran at the wall, and we figure out that while the wall stands, the dead cannot pass, which is actually going to be super important uh, coming in here. Um, we also hear that uh, Bran goes back in time, and he we learned that Lyanna and um, Rhaegar had a baby, and they pretended that it was Ned's bastard. So that, that comes up a little bit towards the end. We're going to actually go into full-blown detail about that uh, at the end of Season 7. 
And then, then lastly, the biggest thing that we last all saw from uh, Season 6 was Daenerys with the Ironborn, Unsullied, Dothraki, and the dragons are officially headed to Westeros to accomplish what they set out to in the beginning, uh, seven years coming. Yeah, I mean, I mean, two big things about now is uh, our two girls, you know, Danny and Arya, they're now... They're both those bad bitches now. Yeah, they're, they're, almost, at the word, pe- they're yeah. almost at the peak of their powers, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, that's a, that's literally like, you know, Ariana Grande, you're like, that's a bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, let's, let's dive right in. Let's, let's start tackling, uh, you know, we'll start here with episode one in season seven. I don't know what you wrote down, but the first thing that uh, I, I took from it, Aria using uh, Walter Frey's face uh, to convince the rest of Frey's house that they're celebrating something. So, like, this entire time, because remember, that's another thing I should have recapped from season six. Uh, you know, Arya gets her revenge on Walter Frey, cuts his throat. So he was dead as of the start of this, right? And what's interesting is, like, when you take that year break when this was going on, like, back a couple of years ago, um, when we were waiting from season six to go into season seven, if you didn't watch it, you might have forgotten that Walter Frey was no longer there because all of a sudden you're seeing him up and like walking. So like, hey, is this a flashback? What is this? And so, Chase, do you want to tell him a little bit about what happens there? Yeah, let's go into that. And Take let's it. not forget what the prophecy originally was, just to remind our viewers. Uh, do you want to tell him what the prophecy was real quick? Yes. So Melisandre had told Arya, I see a darkness in you. And in that darkness, three eyes staring back at me. Uh, brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes. Eyes you'll shut forever. And remember that. That was off the top of the head. Yeah, Jeez, dude, that was, thank, thank that was dead on, man. That was wild. I was dead on. Let's go a little malice <laughs> in the chat. I'll Let's take a little, little, take a little sippy the for chally. that. There you go. Off to the pit of misery with you. Mm. I'll jump into the pit of misery freely. Dilly dilly. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's actually really important, too, because even think of in that order for yeah, like theories the and stuff order. we'll talk about. Yeah. But um, what is really cool here is, just like you were saying, you know, you kind of start thinking it's a backflash because what we saw last season um and then you know one of the greatest quotes i have here is walder stands up and he says he's talking to the entire crowd which the crowd is all of the phrase mm-hmm. in the entire room um so you're like this is this is very odd like what's kind of going on he says brave men all of you butchered a woman pregnant with her babe cut the throat of a mother of five slaughtered your guest after inviting them into your home but you didn't slaughter every one of the starks and then of course the crowd is chanting at this point at first because they think it's they're a like celebration. stoked they yeah. think yeah it's a celebration because don't forget what happened to rob in storm of swords i don't think anyone could ever forget the red wedding <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it's the last that's thing something. you need to tell people to remember is the red <laughs> wedding from game of thrones <laughs> exactly that's something you will never forget. <laughs> still remember actually uh my girlfriend at the time watched that and was literally started crying out of nowhere Dude, it <laughs> was everyone that was got their cut, throat cut and it was interesting too because man when i first watched it so guys one thing i want to tell you i'm not going to sit here and pretend like i was a huge game of thrones fan from the very beginning when this all set i didn't watch game of thrones at all until three months before the final season had its premiere date so i had no idea what happened so i watched this i believe it was in what was it february of 2019 i think it was february 2019 when i began watching game of thrones start to finish because i knew i was going to eventually want to watch it and when i got to the red wedding episode i i was like like i had like that weird anxiety because obviously you guys know rob stark was my favorite character and i was like no 
No, no, I paused it. I couldn't even watch it in full. I paused it and I called the person that had turned me on to Game of Thrones and said, you have to watch it. And I was like, what's going on? What's going on? I was like, nah, bro, you just got to sit down. You got to watch it. I was like, I can't watch it. I can't watch it. <laughs> so, man, it was just pretty heavy, man. Dude, I watched that. Uh, we have this thing here at Disney called the Disney College Program. Mm. Uh, that's actually where me and Josh met uh, years yeah, ago in yeah, college, man. Actually. Uh, we've been friends for a long time. And I just... I was I got into Game of Thrones really that year actually because of my college roommate. I heard of the books, but I didn't really dig into it. And it was actually at my college program because my college roommate was into it. And I remember watching that, and just when I watched it, like because I was so invested in the show at that point, and I thought Rob was getting all this revenge, revenge. He just looked at me, waiting for me to watch it, and I was just for literally like five minutes after the scene cut with the credits, I was dead silent. Like, I, I didn't even know what to do. It was, yeah, it, it was literally yeah. petrifying. But yeah, That's crazy. So, you know, and we're at this big scene here. So they're all chanting, like, yeah, you know, we got revenge on this, yeah. Dude. And they're all screaming. It kind of goes silent for a minute. And Walder Frey goes, no, no. <laughs> How do you do your Walder Frey voice? I don't have a good Walder Frey no, voice. No, no. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> no, no. That was your mistake. You should have ripped them all out, root and stem. Leave one wolf alive, and the sheep are never safe. Yeah. And at this point, they're all they start starting to choke, and yep. they're spitting up blood. Um, so, which was actually another part too. To that, you guys remember she didn't. She made. They poured the wine through everybody in the great hall, and uh, you know, Walter Frey, he has a big disdain and looks down on women. And so when he raises a toast and has them all drink, his, like, quote-unquote wife, the one that sat at the table next to him, she was going to drink too. And he said, not you. He taught her, he looked at her like, not you. Not wasting good vintage on a woman right. is what he said. That's right. But we'll figure out why right here in a second. So Exactly. And Walter's a sick bastard. Remember he makes that line about, like, pubic hair? <laughs> he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's yeah. messed up. But it... They're all basically throwing up, coughing, They're all dying, like dying, right <laughs> They're in dying. Front of you. and he looks at uh, looks at all of them and rips off the face. And who is it? It's Arya Stark. She's that bad bitch. Yeah, now. man. She she. <laughs> yeah. We get to see like what the faceless man do really for the first time. Um, we get to see it in action. Obviously, we saw her try to use like like the the way to use it against her, but like for someone in like a productive way to kind of set out what they intended to from the very beginning like Arya was going to get revenge for her family so we get Arya she rips off the face it's her bang and um what what so you know that big quote hold on before the big quote i want to say now that we know it's Arya the reason that's the whole reason why she told the person next to her the girl not to drink is because number one she didn't want to kill her because she had nothing to do with the red wedding but also she wanted her to send a message so what she say and she told the girl she's like tell them what happened here when they asked tell them that winter came for house fray this is oh this is great and this yeah, that is got a little chill yeah it gives you chill. this is the moment you got revenge mm-hmm. the starks are back the Starks are back, the baby. The Starks are back because yeah. John's king in the north, Sansa's lady of Winterfell, Arya just killed Waddle Frey, got revenge for the Red Wedding. The Starks are on a heater. We're back. Yeah. We're back, it, baby. Tell them that winter came for House Frey. Arya is back. We've got Danny back. That's got right. the Unsullied back. Oh, I actually wrote down the actual quote. Yeah, tell them the north remembers and tell them winter came for House Frey. 
Good stuff. So badass. And so that kind of translates, talking about the Starks, we get into Bran. Um, he sees the Night King's army advancing. So the reason why that's important is because once they get like um, an idea like where they're at, they realize they have to start changing some of their initial plans. Remember, John was not going to go to Dragonstone. He decided against it. Right. But when they got the the word that the Night King was advancing down, like going towards Eastwatch, that's when they had to start making some different choices. And then continuing on there, did you want to, did you want to add to that? Or? Uh, I mean, what I was going to say is, remember he encounters uh, Mira and him. Get to well, yeah, the wall. yeah, that's almost yeah. well. They yeah, they Mira arrives at the wall with Bran, and they're met by Dolores Ed, and Ed allows them passage um, because Bran basically tells Ed stuff about him no one should know. And this like, is that you saw them at Hard Home. You 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 seen the army yeah. of the dead like so. It's pretty cool. But this is that moment you kind of start thinking Bran. He's like that goth kid in the back of the classroom that's yeah, like a weird. Dude, like we've tried to talk to you and like thanks man. Like or that kid in the group project everyone's like, "Well, I'll we'll just let you get the A because you refuse to really associate with any of us at this point." Like at this point Bran is not even himself anymore. Bran is no longer there. Yeah, and we actually kind of start like he they actually bring that up. And Bran even says it later on. I won't jump jump like too far ahead, but Bran is himself, but he's also the whole history and present of the world. <laughs> so it's weird. But listen to this quote too, real quick. Yeah, because you know I'm a big quote guy. <clears throat> but think of how much this would shock you if you were Locke, right? He goes, Ed. You keep saying you always, you, you always say call him Locke. Yeah. Whatever his like, name the is. reason why it's bad is Locke is a bad guy. <laughs> oh yeah, Locke, okay, gotcha. Locke was the guy that took Similar, Jamie's hand. Yeah, Ed. Uh, John's basically right hand man. Yeah, <laughs> prepared to die. The new Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Yeah. Um, so Bran says, "You were at the Fist of the First Men. You were at Hard Home. You've seen the Night King. They are coming for us, for all of us." Like, imagine if you heard that. Like, you told everyone thinks Shit you're crazy your at this point. Yeah. First of all. Like, you wouldn't even know what to say. And quick question. This always makes me think, like, why did they decide to call him the Night King? I don't know, because in the book, there's no such thing as the Night King, but we're right. starting to see maybe when they they mention the Great Other, you know, it might be the head of that. So I don't know why they decided the Night King. Maybe it sounds more terrifying. It John sounds... just pulled it out of his ass one day. He was like, yeah, the dude, Night King. I wonder who was, King the of first, the night. who was the first one to even call him the night king i've got no idea was it john was john the first one i think i started was... thinking back to like season one and like how you know there was always the stories about the white walkers and how like the, the, the wet nurses would tell them to frighten the children but i don't know if anyone ever mentioned specifically the night king right that's a good question right like yeah. it just randomly i think it was john but i don't know i guess i just decided to throw that in there yeah i think uh or maybe maybe it was a three-eyed raven I don't know, because like because we because the three eyed raven kind of existed long before, and they've known he's known of the Night King's existence since the very beginning. So I don't know. That's that's a good question. If you guys know, uh, put it on the comments. You can yeah. Instagram it to us. <laughs> put it on our Facebook. You know. For sure. And uh, so now talking about Jon Snow, he kind of holds that little meeting and tells the houses of the North what they need. They need to mine dragon glass, train every man and woman between the ages of 10 and 16. They need the wildlings to man the wall down by Eastwatch by the sea. And it's funny, because what does Tormund say after, like, John tells him that, uh, like, he needs yeah. the wildlings <laughs> to go ahead and tell him what he says? 
You said, I looks like we're the Night's Watch now. It looks like we're the Night's Watch now. <laughs> That's, it's just so funny because they spent, you know, the, the northern houses and, you know, the people of Westeros spent their whole entire lives keeping the wildlings out by being, you know, the watchers on the wall and, and fighting the wildlings way on the wall. And now guess what? The wildlings are the ones defending the wall. So and, full yeah. circle. <laughs> and I mean, think about what they're really asking here. Like they're literally asking everybody. Even to die. Everyone. Literally. Even, uh, I think it was Lord Glover, he even said, uh, you expect me to put a spear in my granddaughter's hands. And John was saying, we need everybody. Like, yeah, I do. Yeah, then Liana kind of snapped back at him real quick and was like, kind of getting on Lord Glover, like, I I don't need permission to defend my lands, right? So, Liana Liana was a a pain in the first, then when Sir Davos kind of got to her, she's been nothing but all pro Jon Snow sense. That was a good quote because you know I got every quote in the book. Yeah, you, you, write, you write down the whole quotes of the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what takes up like all my notebook. <laughs> Josh walks in with like four pages. I'm like, I got this whole notebook, man. What's going on? <laughs> it's like, well, yours is all quotes. <laughs> but, but yeah, she said, I don't plan on knitting by the fire while men fight for me. I might be small, Lord Glover, but I might be a girl. But I am every bit as much northern as you. And it goes to show, like, I mean, you got to give her respect because no matter what her size was. I don't need permission. And I don't need permission to defend the North. And it it goes to show, though, what's great, she kind of reminds me of Yoda a little bit um, because, I mean, she never let her size, let anyone underestimate her based on her size. Yeah. And this is actually, this comes in now that we've done the whole Tormund quote, you know, that that's where I'll go. Looks like we're the Night's Watch now. We kind of Sansa wants to give the last hearth and carhold to new families, ones that supported them against Ramsay. And John disagreed. So this is where we kind of start seeing a little bit of conflict because afterwards, like John tells me, yeah, you can't undermine me like in front of these people again, like right, right. So John, we I think that John had the better plan to go with here to kind of you know. So basically, they both they're both good ideas at the heart of it. Sansa's like, how are we going to reward a family who betrayed us and stuck against us? You know, let's give them to new families who support it. You know, let's reward loyalty. And Jon Snow at the same time is like, listen, we're not going to be punishing kids for the sins of their fathers. They had no part in this. Because both, um, the, um, what's her face, Alice Carstark uh, and Ned Umber are both children, right? Yep. They had no ability to, like, make any of the decisions. So... Uh, so what uh, what Jon Snow actually said is, I will not punish the sons for the sins of his fathers, and I will not take a family home from a family it has belonged to for centuries. Yep. You know, so that, to me, what that did is it kind of restored faith. Like Because we also have to realize, and I don't think Sansa thought of this from a strategic standpoint, remember when the Umbers and the Karstarks declared for House Bolton, that was more, they, they were saying that uh, the Umbers and the Karstarks have more fighting men than most of the northern houses combined so he didn't they instead of alienating them he he forgave them brought them to prominence again and now they've got powerful allies for life and i think that's what sansa was missing i mean think about how embarrassing that is for john like sansa's over here basically pulling her weight in front of this whole meeting with all these guys and you know, good for John for really sticking up for himself because it showed, you know, he wasn't going to sit here and be a pushover by his sister. Mm-hmm. And you almost kind of get the feeling like, what's the deal? Is ja, uh, is Sansa 
trying to really kind of push John over and wind up being the real like queen here that runs everything or what's kind of the deal. And I mean, I think this is where you kind of had that point where she soon learns, like, I'm not just going to be pushing John over. Yeah. I, I, for me, I think it's because Sansa hasn't had a say in basically anything that happened to her or her people since season one, before she got taken prisoner by the Lannisters. And then again, by the Boltons, like, so this is finally she's in a position of what she remembers as a child. Like she was from a noble family and she was going to be involved in a lot of these big decisions moving forward. And so I think that had more to do with it than anything is that she tasted that. And, you know, she wanted to make her opinions known because she felt comfortable making them known because not only is it, you know, she in a place of prominence again, remember she has a last name Stark and John has a last name Snow. So she's always going to have a weighted opinion, especially with families in the North. In a way though, do you think this was, I mean, of course it's not near as bad as the Greyjoys. I mean, they were raping, raping and plundering and stuff, but I mean, you're talking about still, like I get it. Like you're taking over, right? But you're talking about literally taking these people's homes for them. Like, I mean, and John, I have to completely agree with him here because that's not, justice that's revenge at that point agreed and it's you almost question completely sansa's morals because john does it the right way he makes them pledge their allegiance to him right and you know and it's you know he's not making them he's not stripping them of everything like that's basically what sansa was wanting was she was wanting to give them to the people that fought for them like which also, if you think about that at its at its without without doing any further deep look into uh, possible alternatives, that's not such a bad idea. Hey, let's reward families that are loyal to us. Like that at its core isn't bad. It's the thing. It's like there's a more efficient and better way because even if you give them the families that supported you, again, keep in mind the car holds. I'm sorry, the car Starks and the Umbers have more fighting men than majority of the whole ho- Northern houses combined. So that's going to be it's a it was a big strategic move by John. And actually right. it's funny cuz when they come out Sansa tells John, you know, he, you're good at this. Like you're good at ruling. And John John basically tells her, "Listen, like that's fine, but like you can't undermine me in front of these houses." And Sansa like, actually she was starting to uh tell him all the things that he's, you know, the great things and then she says, "But" and then my one of my favorite quotes in the season, I wrote it down. John says everything before the word but is horseshit. <laughs> that's, what his, that's what his father told him. That's that what Ned great. Stark said. And he's like, Father, and Sansa says, Father never said that. He's like, oh, no, he'd never swear in front of his little girls. But it's, it's just funny how um, I, I actually say, like, people don't know where I get that from. I say that in my, in my real day life. If like someone's saying all these things and they're about to say but, like everything but before the word but is horseshit. So <laughs> I liked it. And then, yeah, it's funny though because. Think about the audacity now after after that happens. We're still kind of here in the north. Cersei actually sends a raven to Jon Snow, tells him to come to King's Landing and bend the knee or suffer the same fate of all traitors. Like you really think that, like, you you really think that it just have like they just overtook the Boltons, one of the most prominent houses. Like their house is returned to dust. They've got no heirs. Lady Walda's dead. The son was dead. That Ramsay or that Roose Bolton like sired because Ramsay killed him. Ramsay's dead. So there's no Boltons at all anymore. They're gone. They've got their home back, and immediately so she's like, yeah, all right, guys, good job. Now come bend the knee to your queen. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So. Um, and I mean, 
you know, you kind of still have a little bit of that conflict going on with Sansa and John with this letter because they kind of go back and forth. And John even says, you almost sound as if you admire her. And Sansa was really explaining, you know, I learned from my experiences with being over in King's Landing. Because yeah. John was at the watch all this time. John's never been south. Right. Right? Yeah, no, not at any point. Like, he's never been south. Well, besides when he was born, <laughs> I guess, well, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're a baby. But that, that's, that's we're getting way ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> yeah. But... Correction. <laughs> point. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. Do we, do we count when you're a baby and can't remember anything? <laughs> like when you're this small? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But so, you know, talking about it Cersei. It all comes full circle. Dude, <laughs> stuff really does come full circle. And I'm going to point out every full circle moment that I, that I see happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie and Cersei, they go back and forth about how to win the war. And, you know, I'm the queen of the seven kingdoms. And Jamie tells her, you're the queen of three kingdoms, Maybe. You've got Olena against you, Olaria against you, the North against you, and Daenerys and Tyrion against you. Uh, you literally have all these people against you. You, you. you might have rule over three of seven kingdoms, which already, not good odds. You know, there's seven kingdoms, four against you, three or four of you, and then don't even, we're not even talking about over in uh, Essos with Daenerys coming yeah. back through too. So Jamie's trying to get her to see from a military standpoint, they're fucked. Like, let's like, think about this for yeah. a minute. Like, you're literally completely surrounded. Yeah. Like, so John's in the north, mm-hmm. right? Let's go immediately over to, I want to say the east-south kind of area. Talking about uh, High Garden, Olena and High Garden? Or are you talking about Dorne? I'm talking about more, well, I guess technically, High Garden's more towards the west, right? Because you have... Uh, well, Illyria's in Dorne in the yep. south. Yep, Illyria's So I'm talking about Dragonstone. Like, Dragonstone. how would you place that on the map? That's more... Dragonstone is southeast of King's Landing. Southeast, that's what right. I was saying. But no yeah. one's at Dragonstone yet. She hasn't gotten right, there. Right, right, right. Right. I'm just saying, so, so she, we know she's heading there, though. Right. So think of where they're at right now. Yeah, just location-wise, yeah. Literally in the center. Like, you're completely fucked from a military standpoint. Mm-hmm. John's in the north. He's the king of the north. You have Danny heading to Dragonstone, which is basically... Like you said, southeast. Yep. We'll just call it east for now, right? Because big ass army, three dragons. It's taking over the east. Yep. Get used to it. Alaria uh, is in the south with Dorne. Yep. And then over in the west, you have Highgarn with Olena. You're in the dead center. Like you're completely fucked. Remember what we were talking about with Battle of the Bastards when they were so screwed <laughs> until the veil bailed their ass out. Cersei mm-hmm. is exactly. They're in, yeah. Exactly in the middle. And what's crazy is she still has her pride. Like, she's going to win this whole thing. Like, not one doubt in her mind. And that's what Jamie's trying to convince her at this point. Like, what are we going to do? Which is funny because, like, like uh, he plays a big role in this season, who I'm about to talk about here. You're on Greyjoy. He arrives in King's Landing, and he seeks an audience with Cersei. And she's so arrogant that she declines the alliance with Euron Greyjoy. And so what he promises her, you know, he's like, oh, of course, you wouldn't accept a proposal without, any, without a gift. And I'm going to give you a gift that, you, that can't be bought. A priceless gift is what he told her. And that he won't return until he, he has that for her. Uh, but even before that, Jamie Lannister talking. It's like, so you're on Greyjoy. He does his, like, smooth talking. Like, dude, he kind of reminds me of, like, the creepy uncle at the party, like, who used to maybe <laughs> be popular a long time ago. Like, you know, like maybe had a good way with his ladies, but he's just so crude and crass in the way he presents himself here. And basically, he, he walks as if he owns King's Landing already. He just got there. He's crazy, man. And so, uh, Jamie, like, he, he like, you're on, um, compliments Jamie and tells him, you know, I, 
I didn't know, like, you know, we heard stories about you. I didn't know, like, how true it was until you came uh, to the Iron Islands and started cutting people left, <laughs> cutting people down <laughs> left and right. And Jamie said, the people I was cutting down were your own kin. Huron goes, the place was getting crowded. I enjoyed watching Dude, it. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> like, insane. <sighs> Who would you argue is worse, though? I still think Ramsey was worse than Huron. Dude, I don't know. Okay, if you're talking about just straight sadistic, like, twisted mind worse than Ramsey, but, like, bro, Euron Greyjoy is way better of, like, a conqueror, commander, ruler, leader than Ramsey. Yeah. Like, like it depends on what you talk about as who's worse. You know, because, like, and I'm, I brought that up, like, later on in here. Bro, like, Euron Greyjoy had a, a dragon's a, uh, egg at one point. He literally killed his own brother and took, kind of very similar to Ramsay, killed his own father and took control of Winterfell. Yeah. Euron took control Let's of go the Iron Islands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and now he, like, you know, dude, he's got this confidence, though. He goes and talks to the queen. He, Cersei Lancer goes up to him and basically is like, yeah, you should marry me. I haven't been around for this entire, like, whole ice and fire. I, mean, I just came back last <laughs> season, but you should definitely, definitely uh, let me uh like plant them seeds there Cersei <laughs> think of this pompous yeah too arrogance man this is the one person that could literally have your head on a spike yeah in just literally 100%. two seconds so let's let's keep on moving with that though because I just thought it was funny where Euron tells him you know the place was getting crowded I enjoyed watching you enjoyed <laughs> watching your own people get slaughtered that was that was nuts um now we kind of move towards Sam doing some of the dirty work at the Citadel. And Sam asks the Archmaester Merowyn for access to the restricted area of the library that's reserved for maesters. And the maester kind of like just dismisses it. You know, well, you know, the restricted sections are reserved for maesters. Are you a maester, Sam Latarly? He's like, well, no. Like, the, the, what do you think about the Archmaester? Should, should these restricted sections only be allowed? Like, it's almost like the, remember in Harry Potter... Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, because we're going to be tackling that series here in a few months. But like the restricted section of that library, like why? Why are these? You guys are grown adults, and you are. You have. I mean, I guess the only way I could think about it is the maesters being nervous that they will, like the people who aren't full-fledged maesters with a chain, are going to just leave and not finish their training and have a bunch of knowledge that they shouldn't have. Is that the? Is that the? I like the rationalization behind it. Like, what's the big deal about having a restricted section there? Like, if you're, I was like, wondering that too. Like, it's like the Harry Potter yeah, restricted exactly section. Like, like you're saying, like, I get it for kids though, like impressionable kids that are sixteen under. But Samuel Tarly is <laughs> no a full fledged adult. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I guess it's like, I mean, they do have sorcerers and witches in here. So I guess because the dark arts, like that's Harry what I'm saying. Potter. Like, the, the biggest thing is probably like, okay, we well, don't want someone who's not fully for us to have access to this knowledge that they shouldn't have. But like. I don't know. It 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 seems like a uh, counterproductive. Real anyways. quick though, one thing we skipped over that is a big part with Euron. He proposes to Cersei. Yeah, and, she declines. Yeah, she declines. But then remember, he says, "I'm going to come back with the a price gift." Of gift. Yeah, 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 we talked about gift. that. We talked okay, about the gotcha. price of gift. He said, "I won't return until we get it." Yeah, gotcha. Okay, yeah, perfect. Yeah, so and like just you, bring that up because that's important. And interesting enough too is like when we talk about that priceless gift, we don't really know what that is. Like. You know, is it going to be a dragon's egg? Is it going to be what you don't know yeah. what it is? What we find out, which is pretty badass. Pretty badass. So I can't wait to get to that part because I'm going to start talking about like, <laughs> all these accomplishments that like Euron Greyjoy uh, succeeded with, where a lot of other prom- prominent people failed. Since so we really have to really give this guy a lot of respect. Yeah, like, we do. He's insane. Absolutely so, insane. So yeah, <laughs> like he. One of the quotes I love is Cersei goes. 
to Euron, you murdered your own brother, which of course we know is Balion. Is that how I pronounce his name? His dad. Is, uh, oh, Balon. Uh, Balon Greyjoy. Yeah, Balon Greyjoy. Yeah, they threw off the bridge. The ri- we talked bridge, about. Yeah. yeah. And Euron goes, you should try it. It feels wonderful. Wait, he's a psycho. Like, insane. That, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I, one of the quotes that the Archmaester Merwin actually gives us, Sam, I, I wrote down. He tells Sam that we are the world's memories, which is pretty cool because, um, you know, if everything goes to darkness, there's nothing left except, you know, people. He basically said, you know, people hacking people to pieces and going home to their families. Like, who records these? Like, how can we learn from history? Like, we are the world's memories. And so that's kind of the the explanation he gives to Sam. But regardless, I thought that was very, very frustrating. But <laughs> we go to um, Brienne back in Winterfell. Mm-hmm. She's training Podrick. And, you know, we all saw in last season that Tormund, he, like, gave eyes to Brienne and he had some sort of level of attraction for her. But Brienne's, like, training Pod and just kicking his ass all over the place in the Winterfell courtyard. Tormund goes up to him. <laughs> he, tells, he looks at Pod and goes... You're a lucky man. <laughs> like you're lucky to have this woman kicking your ass. On the- <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. Oh man, so I thought that was just funny, but that's only one small thing I ripped back from there. But then going kind of farther more to the storyline, and then we get an awesome cameo from our boy. Uh, this is really cool, yeah. by the way. Loved it. I loved it. Just want to kind of throw this in there real quick. So I found out how this happened, um, which I'll, I'll tell you two really cool, quick. Uh, quick things in here about that so ed sheeran is who this guy is Mm -hmm. um ed sheeran we all know ed sheeran uh what's his uh, house among the hills well he he got famous (laughs) for his song the a-team oh yeah the a-team yeah Yeah. she's in the class a-team stuck in her daydream yeah that's good and what was the other one he had a really like a really famous one oh he said he's had a lot of them yeah the other one yeah photograph not nickelback hey hey, yeah right (laughs) uh what was the other one it was like um yeah with one with justin bieber i don't care when i'm with my baby yeah yeah. (laughs) oh yeah things disappear so good yeah but yeah he's had so many the one talking about you thought don't it's uh don't is good but there's another god my ex-girlfriend was always like oh i love this song blah 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 it's the one that's all on the sappy youtubes and stuff uh i don't like sappy songs so i wouldn't be able to tell you (laughs) anyways um i'll think of it later but he wrote this show and was like i'm really big fan of this show and uh they were like yeah i'm sure we could fit you in somewhere so they put him in here as an extra and then that song he sings that was just some song that they decided i don't know if he wrote it no well he didn't write it hands of gold okay, gotcha. is, is an, another song but it's amazing that like they um let him sing it yeah they let him sing it like for no reason and right? i couldn't think of anyone else i'd rather have that little cameo for like that's so cool, oh, that's cool. so yeah art like what's absolutely going on like wait did you did you have a second thing that you uh the to only yeah. other one so because she's such a big part of the show is Masunday, which is natalia emmanuel yeah so a lot of people don't know she was a diehard on game of thrones for the first two seasons and this was you know the books were out but it really didn't have the audience that it had yet and she was actually already a big deal at the time so she did some moderate feature films like she was no tom cruise but she's still a pretty big deal bigger than a lot of the people on the show because it just started and she kept telling her agent you know i really want to try to get on game of thrones at some point and her agent kept saying game of thrones what's that and like kept signing up for other things she scoped it out when they would actually have something and she said quote unquote because i watched this interview last week 
a spot for Masunday came open. And you know, in the books, Masunday is what, like 12 years old? Yeah. So it said an African-American female from the ages of 12 to like 30. And they were really looking for someone like 12, but she begged her agent to convince Benningoff and Wise and the talent agencies, uh, talent uh, casting directors, and they did it, and they cast her for the spot on the Sunday. So that's actually how that little change occurred, which I thought was really cool because it's like the Ed Sheeran thing. You're just a fan of this show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, to talk about that too, um, you know, Aria, she she arrives, and like you start seeing um, them singing like the Hands of Gold. So uh, I don't really I, – I, obviously, we could probably pull it up for you, but the, the main gist of it is talking about how, you know, the love of a woman is better than money, right? Right. Hands of gold are always cold, but a woman's hands are warm. That's the chorus, right? So, like, I don't know the whole verse into it, but anyway, want to play the song for him real quick? We can pull it up on YouTube. I guess it take take not yeah, much more than a, a minute, right? And pull it up here, uh, and I'll put it up we'll to it. Pull it up for you. Um, I got you. But yeah, I thought I thought that was really cool, but. Just wouldn't be a podcast without Ed Sheeran in there, right? <laughs> Ed Sheeran, man. I'll try to think of what that other song was. It was like, uh, ah, man, I can't remember. All right, I'm That's gonna, so wild. I'm gonna play it right now. All right, guys, ready? I'm gonna put it right up to the mic. He rode through the streets of the city, down from his hill on high. All the winds and the steps and the cobbles, he rode to a woman's side. For she was a secret treasure She was his shame and his bliss And a chain and a keep are nothing Compared to a woman's kiss For hands of gold are always cold But a woman's hands are warm For hands of gold are always cold But a woman's hands are It's a pretty song such a great song yeah it's a good little quote there but yeah so Arya walks up to him right Mm -hmm. and you know they're kind of surprised because they're like where are you heading to and she's like to kill the queen well even before that like she hears the gossip I think this is really important too because keep in mind of where um, Ned Stark was decapitated at right so uh, he was decapitated on the the dais of the Sept of Baelor and so she hears about the dragon pit and ruins and how the Sept of Baylor was blown to shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, down in King's Landing. And so the, and then the men tell Arya that they also heard there was trouble with the phrase and that uh, they were sent to keep the peace. So that's why the, that's what they were doing as like the little Lannister army people is they were sent to keep the peace after hearing like something bad happened to the phrase, which is interesting, obviously, because Arya is, is what happened to the phrase. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I just thought that that was a quick thing before we talk about how she tells him that she's going to kill the queen. And, you know, when they when she does tell him that she's going to kill the queen, like, they all, like, start, like, looking at each other weirdly. Then they bust out laughing, thinking she's joking, which is hilarious because she's 100% serious. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Think of it. Arya really got revenge here. Think about it. 
She basically made Walter Frey bite into the pie of his own people, which he didn't bite into. His own, bro- yet, his own right? sons. Not even the his people, own the sons. sons, yeah. Black Walter and Lothar. He <laughs> begs, begs with his little hands up like a little puppy dog as his throat's being cut. And then all his people are completely taken out with the poison. And it's all by one girl. Arya basically took out an entire house by herself. By herself. By herself. It's badass. And so... We jump into the Hound. He's with the Brotherhood Without Banners. They arrive at the farm where, if you guys remember from a couple seasons ago when the Hound was was traveling with Arya, this is where this man with his daughter tried to take them in and say, you know, f- um, fair wages for fair work, meaning like he wanted the Hound to stick around and help them out with the field and stuff. And the hound took advantage of him and basically broke the guy's legs and stole his silver. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, so they arrive back at that same house. Uh, he left him for dead. Um, so I thought that was really interesting how that comes full circle. That's a, This is another full circle moment. And like, here's kind of the thing, though. This is what I was thinking so much. Like, what was the point of that? Like, they just happened to be in there? Like, why did they? Because it, it, it's a it's a character development of the hound. Think about it. Makes sense. He went from uh, he went from I'm just gonna break your legs and take your silver because I think you're gonna die anyways, to going back there with the Brotherhood Without Banners and like he didn't have to do this, but he felt such shame for his actions. He buried them. He he yeah. dug a whole grave. So right. I think it's more along the lines of character progress, showing us character progression for the Hound than more about anything plot wise to do with the show. And it kind of yeah I, I guess that's exactly what's happening is you know he's becoming almost more a better person emotional humanized. <laughs> yeah. yeah better person but that, that's not the first time we saw that remember he got revenge for the villagers he cared so much about like like, yeah. like his buddy ray he's like he's like remember when he's like you have friends kaglane not anymore <laughs> not anymore right so like, yeah. like you know it's just it's it's continuing his care i think it's character so progression. like what do you think happened to those people i mean Barrick has a great quote here which is really cool it says how do you think it ended for him Girl died in her father's arms, covered in blood with a knife at her face. I'd say they were starving rather than left with the little girl suffered. He ended it for both of them. It doesn't matter now. I mean, it's... Do you think it's like a big... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Or do you think the winner just came and they ran out of food kind of thing? Like, did they really have any... You saw the bloody knife. You You saw the knife with the rusted blood on it. So. So you think it's more of the hounds almost being reminded of how bad he was going mm-hmm. all the way back to season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Makes sense. Not, not, not reminding how bad it was, it's showing us where he's come from and who he is now. Right. And so. this is also kind of the point, you know, we kind of jump in here. Oh, I, I didn't know quote I did want to say before you do that. Go for it. Yeah. Um, not even really quote, but the Hound asks Beric why the Lord of Light keeps bringing Beric back. Mm-hmm. He says, you're not bad, but you're not that good either. Like he's like, he's basically telling like Beric, you're just you're just another guy. Like I've I've met better men than you. I've met worse men than you. Why is it you that keeps getting brought back? So I just thought that was an interesting thing to say because to me that shows that anybody can be important in life. You don't necessarily have to be a man of a great house or a king or a lord. You know, I mean, obviously Beric, it was a lord if you guys remember, but it just to me that um that that resonated. No, I'm glad you brought that up because. He says one little line after that, actually, um, which I'm glad you brought that up because it after, right after that, he says, the hound says, there is no divine justice. That girl wouldn't be dead and you wouldn't be alive. It almost makes you think, too, um, like George was talking one time 
you know, kind of the whole thing with like winter is here and all this stuff, you know, and people die. Like sometimes, you know, you don't always have that happy ending. Like, you know, Hound's basically saying sometimes things also just suck to suck. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it gives two different perspectives here, but I think I have to completely agree with you when you bring that up. I think he is definitely becoming more of a wholesome person. I wouldn't say wholesome, but becoming better than he was, right? He's still, <laughs> he, than he was. He's still a hard yeah. ass, like especially yeah. when like we get like to what happens beyond the wall next, you know, when, when we, yeah. we get into that. But tell her that, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So actually, it's funny that we just said that because what happens next is Thoros gets the hound to look into the flames, yeah, and the hound sees the wall. He sees where it meets the sea, which is right at East Watch. Uh, the mountain that looks like an arrowhead, the dead march past, and then they are like, well, that's where we need to go, which is that that's gonna come full circle here very short the hound looking into the fire and seeing a vision so now remember the hound basically he was saying like screw all deities like i don't believe in anything like you know like nothing's really been shown to me like you know i don't seen anything he argued with ray about the gods too and now for the first time he got he saw a vision from something that was obviously not human so it was really interesting that uh, and he saw it in fire which if you guys know the hound's issue with fire itself it it was a very um ironic moment and i think that helped his character progression as well so yeah that's when he digs the grave for the farmer and the daughter um but why is it like the hound can actually see into it anyone like he's not could. like bran and no anyone could see visions of fire remember when um stannis baratheon looked into the fire and he saw like he saw, looked into the flames and saw victory at um i forgot where but uh, he he saw he saw something in the flames she had Selyse look in the flames like a lot of people have been able to see like what happens through the flames. Like Melisandre has them look into it. So and then Thoros, he's the priest. So the, like the priests and the priestesses, you know, it's not that he has any special ability. It's just the fact that many people throughout the show have also looked into the flames and seen things happen. Right. So okay. Um, that. Now we get to one of the things that you've been going on about for for the last week. So. Uh, I'll, I'll let you. Deal, I'll let you go on into that. The only thing I want to mention about it is that the um, the Valyrian people they were familiar with Dragonglass before coming to Restor- before coming to Westeros. They called it Zifril Perzil, which translates to frozen fire. And basically, the reason we bring this up is because this is where Sam Tarly is back in the Citadel, and he has the book in his hands. And I actually took a picture of exactly the page that it was stuck on right right and so i will read what the page says and then i'll let you go into your yeah no, your uh, theories about it so it says the valerians were familiar with dragonglass long before they came to westeros they called it zifril perizil which translates to frozen fire in valerian and they they tell of how they the dragons would thaw the stone with dragon flame until it became molten and malleable. The Valyrians then used it to build their strange monuments and buildings without seams, joints, or modern castles. Uh, of their modern castles. Now when Aegon the Conqueror forged his seven kingdoms, he and his descendants would often decorate their blades with dragon glass, feeling a kinship with the stone. So that that's something that is really, really big there because basically what that tells you is that in the picture of that dagger, it, the one that we're about to see exactly, 
the dagger that it is, it's not just Valyrian steel, it's Valyrian steel and Dragonglass at the same time. Why is that important? Because Dragonglass and Valyrian steel are two of the only three methods to kill White Walkers and the Army of the Dead. And so to continue there it goes, the royal fashion for Dragonglass ornamentation soon spread throughout the Seven Kingdoms to those wealthy enough to afford it. Hilts and pommels were and are the most common decoration for Dragonglass that's too brittle to make a, uh, to make a useful cross yard. Indeed it was, indeed its very brittleness is what relegates to the great houses and the most successful merchants. And if you guys can see here, it's the picture of the, the dagger that uh, was, was used in season one and that uh, Lord Baelish has possession at this exact moment. So go ahead and get on that, Chasey boy. Man, you stalled just enough time where I could find my notes on the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Just in time. But yeah, uh, and I could actually, I took so much time on this because this is, I just found it really interesting. And keep in mind, everything I'm about to say, a lot of it is just a theory, but it makes you really wonder if this is what happened. Uh, so everyone think back to kind of season one. Um, in season one, there was a part uh, where, was it Ned that he got the knife held to him? And not the assassin yet, because we're not at that point. But there was a part in season one that I'm trying oh, to... Oh, bro, bro, you're talking... No, the thing that happened to Bran happened well before... No, I'm not the, talking about Bran. I know, um, you're talking about when he said, I told you not to trust me. That's yeah, not yeah, the same yeah. dagger. Okay, gotcha. That's not the same dagger. Well, that dagger is in the north in Winterfell. Yeah, but in the book, it's the same dagger. A lot of people don't know that. Maybe I, have to, I just have to yeah. go back and read that. So, but in the show, it's definitely not, because like, she had the... Um, no, she, it's yeah. definitely not. It's a different, yeah. different dagger. But that actually makes a good point, though. Because I was I actually wrote that in my notes. Actually, you know what? I'm wrong. It is the same dagger because I remember he puts it on. Um, the Ned Stark had it on his desk, and remember when Peter asked him like, oh, "When like who do the people uh, side with? The one who pays them?" Because remember that time he was Master Corny and turned the blade to himself. So it actually is the same blade because um, Catelyn brought it to Ned, and remember they they were trying to figure out, and that's when Littlefinger tells heard that like okay. I, I know who this it's my dagger but i lost it in a bet to Tyrion lannister so you know what it is actually the same dagger that was is my it mistake the same? yes okay, it is I, I yes it, it is was, that was that was on old jay nelly there my well, bad you never know because jay nelly usually has his shit correct so but basically here's the point of this so if you actually take a look at that dagger uh you know it doesn't have a normal handle of just any knife no it's not a handle mm. at all <laughs> yeah not at all also if you look on the very end of that handle there's a red ruby. Um, but basically what this handle is, the theory is, it's actually dragon bone. And going off what Josh said, that complements that. So look here, the picture, the, the ruby's actually at the top of the handle, not the bottom. So the top yeah, of the handle, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, but it is there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So the, the base of it, the theory is, is what this is, is this was actually dragon bone. And the ruby is very significant because if we go back to where we've always talked about, you know, Robert's rebellion with the Battle of Trident, one thing that happened between Robert and Rhaegar is that, that I always mess up names. Yeah, Rhaegar, Rhaegar good, right? Yeah. Yep. Rhaegar Targaryen, um, which Rhaegar was Danny's brother, mm -hmm. which we'll find out later what a significance he is. When Robert hit him with His the hammer, hammer yeah. 
the rubies went everywhere. So it's significant to show on almost all his shit, all his stuff, he had those red rubies there because they were so yeah. significant to the Targaryen rubies, house. Rubies, exactly. That's exactly what it is. The rubies are a big, um, like they're they're used to design a lot of the uh, breastplates uh, for the Targaryens, other weapons as well. So yeah, they're right. very big. So if you go back to uh, season one, also, which is what you were talking about for a minute was mm-hmm. the assassin with Bran. Yes. Right. Which they even show in the show. Um, so the assassin with Bran, the theory is because after this whole situation happened where he actually had that knife, uh, that knife was actually last seen. If my notes are correct, I think it was last seen on Ned's table at the very end of season one. But the point is, um, the last house to have it was technically the Lannisters because the theory is the assassin was sent by either you had Joffrey, like you were saying, or you had Cersei, or you had Jamie. and Or Littlefinger. Or Littlefinger. And who was Cersei's cause, husband? Because remember died? this. Uh, Littlefinger was instrumental in turning like uh, the Lannisters against uh, Liza Aaron, telling the, Lan- telling the Starks that, hey, Cersei and Jamie plotted like uh, right. John Aaron's death. Yeah, exactly. So Littlefinger is the one that orchestrated that. So very could very easily could have been Littlefinger that had the assassination attempt for for Bran, trying to make them think it was the Lannisters that turned the Starks and the Lannisters against each other. Right. So yeah, you raise a really good point. So the theory here is that that dagger was actually Rhaegar's that could have been taken by either Jaime, Cersei, Joffrey. Or Lord Baelish. Or Robert Baratheon. Or, well, that's the catch, though. Because the theory is, on the battlefield, or when the house took over for the Baratheons, that Robert got the knife from Rhaegar. So then someone took the knife from Robert, so right. the theory is, after Robert died. Because this all took place after Robert died. So somehow, someone took it off of him, or someone took it in the area when he died. So one of those well, the thing is, it. it couldn't have been there. Well, it depends on... we. It's tough because if we go by what Littlefinger says, that he he at least had it in the tournament that Jamie was fighting in long before A Song of Ice and Fire started. So like Littlefinger could have had this the entire time, and like it might have been. Like, my, my thought is that maybe Littlefinger is the one who had this to begin with when it comes down to the people of A Song of Ice and Fire that we're familiar with. So what my, my, my quote-unquote theory or what makes sense in my head is, number one, you're probably not fighting with a dagger on the battlefield if you're Rhaegar Targaryen. So if we're, again, this is if we're assuming, we have no proof of this, but if we're assuming that the dagger was Rhaegar Targaryens, where, like, obviously I guess it would depend on... It would be somewhere it, in the Tower of the Hand, I'm assuming. It could be the Tower of the Hand or it could be Dragonstone where, the, like, where they ruled. Like like where right because like remember Aerys Aerys Targaryen was the king in King's Landing and I do believe that Rhaegar was the Lord of Dragonstone right so he could have Stannis Baratheon could have taken it send it to Robert you know like that could have happened as well too like and there's that's so many the big things like issue is how it got there yeah but the big point of this theory is just like you were saying I always say iron but they were welded together. With dragon glass and Valyrian, steel. and Valyrian steel, right? And then if the hilt was dragon bone too, that's just another allusion towards you know that. exactly. So that that could like I could buy the theory that that was Rhaegar Targaryen's dagger. 
So, Honestly, I could I could see that. I mean, that's my theory because I think I feel like the ruby gives it away. Because I mean, the even, ruby it's Valyrian steel and it has obsidian in it at the same time. Like, yeah. and then if the hilt was supposed to be dragon bone, it just it, that's the only thing that makes sense. I mean, even if you think about all the other Targaryens, you go to Aegon, Ares, uh, Morgar, which is uh, which is Aegon's son. That was Ares's grandfather. None of those, even in the history of Song of Ice and Fire, they don't talk about the rubies as much as Rhaegar. So I think that gives it just a little hint of a little bit more evidence. But the whole point of this is not to give anything away. That happens, but it's kind of like that Lord of the Rings thing. Almost like you stab something with this. That's a white. It's almost like dropping the ring into the fires of Mordor. Because you got the best of both worlds kind of there. Exactly. You've got got two forms to kill a White Walker and one weapon. Right. So So that was kind of my big point. So... For yeah, sure. that was that was good stuff. Hey, you uh, had that down to the D. You probably could have explained that theory yourself. Yeah, well, and I'm the one always throwing the malice. That card. was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was not off topic though, because it's really important because that dagger comes into play uh, super super soon. Um, but yes, yeah, so now that we're talking about dragon, we're talking about Dragonstone. This is where Sam realizes that Dragonstone is sitting on a mountain of dragon glass. Right, and uh, you know he needs to get word back to John that this is where you can find all the weapons that you're gonna need to fight the army of the dead. So Sam accidentally, actually to, to uh, close out episode one here of season seven, Sam accidentally runs into Jorah Mormont at the Citadel, which like they don't really have a big interaction right away. He just kind of like his arm comes out through like the window door. And so we know it's Jorah, but Sam doesn't know it's Jorah yet. Right. Um, so it, it was just a quick wink to get you excited for the next installment or next episode. I thought that was cool, but then how we really, really close out the episode. Our girl is, is uh, back. yeah. Danny lands at Dragonstone. She rips down Stannis's banner in the war room. Looks at Tyrion and says, "Shall we begin?" Badass. Woo! And I love how you know you haven't seen her this whole episode, and you got to think this was the season that we waited. Well, we wait for the next one almost a year and a half, but we waited a year for this because it took till July for this one. It didn't start in April like usual. And, you know, you're waiting almost all episode to see our girl and see what it's like when she's back. And she puts her hand in the sand, and it's almost like you get that feeling of she feels like, you know, I'm home. So, dude, and one thing I just thought about, too, at least that went through the whole... We went through... Remember how in the end of season six, it showed her sailing? And then it took all of the rest of this episode for her to land. So how long that distance is for travel. And all of a sudden later on they decide that travel doesn't mean anything. And we'll jump into that later. Yeah. I just found that funny how it just doesn't correlate. Like it exactly. took them the whole year and an episode for Entire her to get to year. Dragonstone. And then all of a sudden, you know, later on in the series, yeah. we're just <laughs> Goku here. <laughs> Just, but, we're uh, using our instant yeah, transmission dude, going we'll, to King Kai's place. We'll jump into that. <laughs> let's, let's get into yeah. episode two a little bit. Real man. quick, yeah. though, right before you dive in, because I saw some cool facts on Dragonstone. I won't give you the whole history. Uh, real quick, even Stannis Baratheon said at some point, which is why you see all the crazy dragons on the wall. It doesn't look like a normal castle. Right. Like, it's very strange. Yes, it is. Even Stannis said, foreign and strange simpletons claim they used to see ancient Valyrian sorcery. The castle is unlike any in Westeros. A lot of people don't know this was actually built as a military base. A lot of people don't know that because they think it was just some big castle. And actually, the war table 
this is really cool. Because <laughs> they could have just gotten all this damn dragon glass <laughs> there instead of going to the cave. The war table is actually made out of dragon glass. Oh, shoot. Nice. And uh, it was actually, this goes into exactly what you're saying. It was a Valyrian design and made with dragon glass mixed with Valyrian steel. You could have literally just broken down the damn table. That's all you'd have to do. But um, I thought it was really cool. I mean, you know, it survived. It was actually taken. It's near kind of Blackwater Bay as a location, but it was taken over in Robert's Rebellion, um, where after the Battle of Trident, uh, you know, this is when you had, this goes into the show, you know, Danny and her brother Viserys Viserys I always almost say Viserion because <laughs> we were going to talk about at some point um that's when you know they kind of escaped from there because they were actually there uh, Rayala their mother died uh giving birth to Danny and then Danny and Viserys were actually smuggled by the loyalist uh across the narrow city to the uh narrow sea to the free cities of Essos so I thought that was pretty cool um, and then from that point, actually, uh, Robert um, made a joke offering it to Stannis, but it was almost like no one really wanted it because it was so weird. It was seen as the disgraced castle at that point. Um, so that's just a little bit of history on that. And just so you all know, the long night that, um, which we're not going to go too much into that, that's for the summary, but just so you know, the book. Sam was reading basically what that was was that was a battle with Bran the Builder and all this stuff when the wall was wound up building uh, with magic and actually the whites um, it doesn't ever say Night King in the book or anything because that didn't exist but the whites basically went all the way out to King's Landing and involved um, a lot of big key players that pushed them all the way back that's so weird because how is that possible when the wall when the wall is constructed, the dead cannot pass the wall. Remember the magic that was built when Bran the Builder built the wall in the well, beginning? Well, that happens before the wall was built. Okay. So Got Bran it. built the wall afterwards, which okay. I thought this was really cool because I found some three big people, and we won't go into this too much, but what is really cool is there is three big people um, that actually played a big part in that, and one actually almost foreshadows Arya, um, which is actually really wild. Uh, so the three big people here, which we'll talk about this in the episode, but um, so there's one called Seaman Star Eyes. Uh, so what he has is almost like one of those eye things, almost like Maester Aemon. And then you also have um, a, the, you had Casterly that started Casterly Rock. And then you had uh, another big, uh, you had Bran the Builder in there. So you have those three people. Now, Simon Star Eyes, all that's talked about in him. Now, this is really cool. You'll think this is really cool. There's a reason I kept reading it. Um, all that's talked about him was he was basically fighting for justice and silvery, uh, chivalry. Um, he actually joined the Night's Watch at one point. But you're going to see the significance of how you wonder if this is where they got this idea from. He fought blind in the long night, that big long night war in the big battles. And he has a spear and on the two ends of the spear is dragon glass. <laughs> and that's all that's talked about. That's and he cool. joined the night's watch. So it makes you wonder were they just flipping through the book and found this thing? 
because of what happens in season eight. So that's just a little bit about that. But so you see a timeline. It goes Age of Heroes, uh, which is almost four thousand years earlier, and then the Long Night lasted almost four thousand years, which the Night's Watch defeated all the whites at the Battle of Dawn, where they pushed them back, and Bran the Builder built the wall, and the wall was constructed, which winds up leading us up to today. Gotcha. So just so people can kind of understand a little bit on the timeline there, so they didn't get confused. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah, let's get into let's get into the next episode. Um, we start off episode two. Got a little tension between Lord Varys and Daenerys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So well, first it starts Not off three okay. Little birds. <laughs> Pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah. So Varys tells Danny that less than half the kingdoms in Westeros are loyal to Cersei. So, from there, like, she starts kind of questioning and, like, getting on Lord Varys about his loyalties. And it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, too, because we were just talking about Danny being born. And one of the first thing she says is, I expect this to be a sort of homecoming. And Varys goes, on a night like this, you were born. And keep in mind, like, when the scene starts, it's storming, storming yeah. it's thundering. Um, and, you know, yeah, this is when... You get that tension, like, Danny really never liked Varys, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. And she kind of goes into a big thing, why? Like, you advised, you know, you're a secret aspirer to my father, and then you did it for the person who killed him, and then you switched your loyalties again, and now you switched your loyalties again. Like, like basically, I, don't, I can't trust you. You haven't shown that you've been, like, trustworthy. Um, so, but before that, there's one quote I wanted to say about Tyrion, um, not about Tyrion, it's actually about Daenerys, another thing that foreshadows, guys. Tyrion tells her, Conquering Westeros would be easy for you, but you're not here to be Queen of the Ashes. That's exactly what he says, and we understand why that uh, that foreshadows what it does. So uh, this whole thing <laughs> has been building up, and we've been telling you, but we're going to keep telling you until we got enough evidence to sway the minds of the people who think that Daenerys, uh, her flip of the switch was just something thrown together. It was not. So. And I do want to say these two quotes here because this is big foreshadowing. Um, one is a big monologue by Varys, which kind of goes and tells about him a little bit. But one thing Danny says is huge foreshadowing here. Um, so Varys says, I come from nothing. I was sold as a slave and was carried up as an offering. When I was a child, I lived in the alleys, gutters, and abandoned houses. You wish to know where my loyalties lie? Not with any king or queen, but with the people. The people who suffer under despots and proper under just rule. The people whose hearts you aim to win. If you demand blind allegiance, I respect your wishes. Grey Worm can behead me and your dragons can devour me. But if you let me live, I will serve you well. I will dedicate myself to seeing you on the Iron Throne because I choose you. Because I know that the people have no better chance than you. And listen to what Danny says here. Swear this to me, Varys. If you ever think I'm failing the people, you won't conspire behind my back. You will look me in the eyes as I have done today. As you have done today. And you will tell me how I'm failing them. How I'm failing them. That's huge foreshadowing right there. Mm -hmm. Another one too, a quick one-liner by Varys. He tells her, incompetence should not be rewarded by blind loyalty. Yep. Which is telling him, like, it doesn't matter, like, if you're not good, if you're not up to the task of ruling kingdoms and like doing what's best for the people, I'm not going to be loyal to you. And I'm telling you right now. 
And so that's exactly why she said, you'll look me in the eye as you have done today, and you'll tell me how I'm failing them. And what's and funny so is we have all these people. <laughs> I feel like the <laughs> Dragonstone, there's a reason it was a military base, because everyone was fighting every time everyone's fucking there. That's <laughs> true. The person that's about to walk up, <laughs> we, know, we know at least one person in the room hates her. <laughs> yeah, right? So, and before we get to that, Varys goes... He replies to her after Danny tells him, you know, swear this to me, Varys. If you ever think I'm failing the people, you won't conspire behind my back. You look me in the eye as you have done today, and you'll tell me how I'm failing them. Varys says, I swear it, my queen. And she goes, and I swear this. If you ever betray me, I'll burn you alive. That's the real foreshadow. There you go. Yeah. So, and then, yes. So now our, our girl, uh, Melisandre, <laughs> she comes up and meets with Daenerys. And Melisandre tells her, the prince who was promised will bring the dawn. And this is what we were kind of talking about a couple, last week. Yeah, a couple weeks know. ago, actually. Yeah, yeah was, a couple yeah. weeks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we kind of jumped. I, it was me. My hand up. I jumped the gun on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought it was really, really important because uh, Danny tells her, I'm afraid I'm not a prince. And this is where Miss Sandai, she corrects Danny, and we learn that the noun has no gender. So it could mean prince or princess. So Melisandre tells Danny prophecies are tricky, but she believes Danny has a part to play, and so does Jon Snow. So what's amazing that here, it's it's kind of more character progression for Melisandre instead of just jumping straight loyalties. Like she was straight dead set on the fact that Stannis Baratheon was a prince that was promised, no doubt about it. She's not even going as far to say that Daenerys is the princess that was promised. She says prophecies are tricky. She has now learned from all her failures and mistakes and dead people that are not gone because of her errors. So I thought that was pretty cool that she's kind of had some character progression here too and she's learned from her, her previous mistakes. Yeah, I mean, you almost... You know how we were talking about, you know, you almost think Melisandre is breaking down because everything she's she's worked for work toward she's doubting everything she's believed in this entire time i mean she basically went straight to stannis after every after you know she was a little girl yep and you know stannis has been gone for a long ass time now um ever since two years yeah and uh it's it's you know it's really cool i mean what's funny is i have all this valyrian here but yeah you're really seeing (laughs) I was reading. I don't think I, we need to read all the Valyrian quotes, Chase. <laughs> looked down on my notes, and I was like, "Hey, what does she say here?" I'm like, "That's funny. I can't I just, read that." And I'm like, "Oh, that's right. It's fucking Valyrian." The, the long <laughs> and short of it is, is what we said there. Yeah, like right? she can't. She so, basically has no. She doubts her own self. Right. What she doing? And so that that. But the thing is, the big thing that we learn is that it's possible that Daenerys could be the prince or princess that was promised. So now we've got three irons in the fire. We've got, well, I guess one's kind of burnt out, right? And Stannis Baratheon was supposed to be the prince that was promised, but now Jon Snow is a possibility, and now Daenerys is a possibility as well. And there was also theories that um, Jamie Lannister could have been the prince that was promised. Also, now, here is one that's really cool, and Josh hates me for reading this shit. Play one uh, of your cards, or you're going to do this to me. <laughs> this is a... Uh, well, it's completely it. on topic is a problem, but it's only four lines. But... Uh, I can't even read it in English, but basically she says, Boises Bantis Amesis Ye Morgar Agoni Mosbesis Merikivo Darielos Os Mahagan Kostas. Basically, what that means in English, it says, The long night is coming and the dead come with it. Only the prince who is promised uh, could be the hero of mankind who will win the war for the dawn when the living battle of the dead. 
will be born amidst salt and smoke beneath a bleeding star. The hero will rise and awake dragons from the stone. So that was really cool because it made me think, right? Go all the way back to season two and Clash with Kings. Remember, she followed the Red Comet. Mm-hmm. Bleeding also, Star. Yeah, Bleeding Star. And she's also the only one that's actually stood in the fire as the dragons hatch. Dragons mm-hmm. hatch from the stone. So she's got complete reason to believe. Like, why didn't she start believing this from the beginning? And also remember this, too. This now, now I'm playing my malice in the chalice card. Putting it <laughs> up here, slamming it down because this is way off topic, but Deal. it's going to be a short malice in the chalice here. I don't care. Again, That's what that card's we'll, for. We'll man. read it to you. you we'll play do the, a thousand episodes <laughs> if we have to. Damn. You, you may <laughs> yeah. play the malice in the chalice card at any time during the podcast. May only be used once per podcast host per episode. When Malice and the Chalice card is played, the other host must immediately finish their thought and give the floor to whatever topic the holder of the card desires. Both hosts must drink. So, we'll Cheers. do that drink, drink Malice first. Malice and the Chalice! Malice and the Chalice. Mm. Uh, summon so, the Malice and the Chalice! I'm bringing this up, and it's got nothing. To, it's got something to do here. This is mainly the books, not the show. Remember back in the book, um, A Clash of Kings? At Dragonstone, Melisandre was trying to convince Stannis that she could bring to life one of the dragons from stone that was carved into the mountain. So that's that's amazing to me that her she was so certain of her powers that she could bring a bring a stone dragon to life, like something that's just carved out of the mountain, and that Stannis Baratheon was gonna be riding this dragon because he was the prince that was promised. She was so dead set on him. That anything, she thought all the sacrifices and everything that he, if he listened to all that she'd done and all the signs that she was receiving, she could have literally brought to life a stone dragon that was a cut out sculpture of the mountain itself. So I just wanted to throw it out there since we're talking about it. Um, but imagine Stannis Baratheon on a dragon. <laughs> I don't think he'd know what to do. I think he'd just kind of sit there and wobble back and forth. Like it just, I'm glad crazy. you played that card because I'm playing the great debate card. Let me throw him else in the child's oh, card yeah. to the elephant graveyard. Burn it in the fire, man. Sacrifice. The Shadow it. Realm. Sacri- that card goes to the Shadow Realm. Sacrifice to Azor High. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Great debate card. You may play the great debate card at any time during the podcast. The podcast host who plays the great debate card. The great debar. (laughs) The great debate card will pick any topic relevant to the current episode of debate versus the other host. Each host may play the great debate card once per episode. Both hosts must drink. If you see and look to the left of the screen here, that is also our favorite I say he's definitely Goku. I'm definitely Vegeta because he's got about two more inches on me. <laughs> That's for sure. Great debate card. Here's the great debate. Okay. In your opinion, as of right now, what Ooh. we've heard all the way up to where we currently have, when's a winner is not out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last book was Dance with Dragons. If you've all the way seen, let let's let's not give any spoilers away. Okay. So let's say through season seven, which we've seen now. So leaving one season out. Which really doesn't even make any difference. Who would you say is Azor on high and you have to back it up with reasons and give at least five reasons? It's tough if I can't um, go beyond season seven. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I would say uh, it's it's the typical answer. I'm not going to shock you guys with any revelation. I, I think it's Jon Snow. 
And the reason, obviously, number one easiest reason is why would you bring him back from the dead if he had no important part to play or, like, wasn't there to, you know, obviously we see what happens in season eight and we'll get into that later. But he was brought back from the dead. That's point number one. No one else besides Beric Dondarrion was back, was brought back. Number two, his lineage is super important. His lineage, basically, he's a tar- he is a Targaryen, but he was raised by a Stark. So he's got all the morals of a Stark with the abilities of a Targaryen, which is kind of like, if you're going to do a fusion, that's like a Goku and Vegeta fusion for Vegito. Like, that's like the ultimate everything you want right there. Like, the name Targaryen with the abilities and the fighting and, like, the intellect and the commanding and leading of people with the morals of a Stark, I don't, I can't think of anyone better to lead. Number three, he's shown many times he's overcome a lot of odds that he shouldn't have. They held the wall against 100,000 wildlings with 100 men at Castle Black, large part due to Jon Snow. Battle of the Bastards, he decided he was going to take on all 8,000 of Ramsey's men by himself and run straight at the army, and somehow he survived that. Uh, um, you know, he has the ability to warg with his wolf ghost, and that's a, that's a special ability. It's just, he kind of seems to me as the perfect storm of everything you would want in an individual if you were going to say this one's a chosen one. Kind of like Harry Potter, the chosen one, can speak to snakes. As able his, like, you know, only other person that had the same type of wand as him was the person who cursed him, right? So, like, it just, he has these abilities and things work out for him in ways that they don't for other people. Um, and he lived his, like, and it's almost like a full circle, uh, lived his entire life as a bastard, but was a true king the whole entire time. So he's humbled through everything. He believed he was nothing, but his life has shown that he is one of the greatest heroes of, you know, ever really in the history of Westeros. So those are my five reasons and thoughts as to why I believe Jon Snow was meant to be Azor High. And I don't know if he still is or what's going to happen when's the winter. We know what happens in the series. That sucks. Uh, we'll talk about that later on, but <laughs> that I'll finish up with that. Yeah, um, which sucks because the person I wanted to pick, I can't because I cut myself out of that when I said I couldn't say season eight, uh, and it wasn't Danny. <laughs> so I bet y'all can guess who it is, but we're not going to give away spoilers. But I actually have a good argument of who this could be. My argument is... And this is a very off-the-wall argument. I don't think so. I think I know who you're going to say. I think you're going to say Arya, right? So that was what I was going to say, but I can't say that because of season eight. You can say it. I mean, think about all the stuff she's been through as it is. I could hear the argument for it. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I'll say that. I had another one, which is Beric Dondarrion. And there's a reason for that, too. He just doesn't play a big enough role for me to believe he could be Azor. Really? That's why I was going to say Arya. Yeah. So here's why. Because remember, the gender quality doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And most people would sit here and argue Danny just because of the reasons we just talked about with the dragons and the and the comet, right? Remember what she said. We'll win the war of the dawn. We'll talk about that later, what happens. And then also, you got to remember, this is where, of course, I said not to talk about season eight, but in the mist of salt and smoke, remember there is a stallion that comes for Arya at the very end. If we play it out in 
which spinning off and wise kind of came out to nothing though you know right. what i mean like it was there but like <laughs> it, it, it was there was no point behind unfortunately not yeah. not anyone's fault except the writers but right i i, I would see where you were going if they had more detail behind that right now and, also with aria too like that just to, well to give your points then i'll i'll debate with you i'm sorry Oh, you're fine. Uh, So I would say, okay, so that's two points. Mm -hmm. Uh, Third point here is it says beneath a bleeding star. Think of this also abstractly. I don't think it actually has to mean a bleeding star. The star could have been Cersei, who she was after to go get and take down with the hound. Um, it, It could have been the star that was falling at that point, which king's landing we'll get into that later in season eight um and then kind of my last few points here is four is it never really talks about someone being brought back to life we think about that a lot because we remember the wounds were smoking which that would be a good case for john like the wounds were smoking when john died in the books which he was brought back to life here Keep in mind that hasn't happened in the books yet. Also remember, so my fifth point here. But then nothing that you just mentioned for Arya has happened in the books either. Well, okay, that <laughs> makes a good point. Okay, so let's take them all into play because this actually takes a good point in this next one here. So my fifth point is, remember when she was serving with Jack and Hagar? Mm-hmm. A girl is no one and a girl is Arya Stark. So... If you think of this abstractly, Arya basically died and became someone else because she left her whole old life in the past, became someone new, and she has nothing but her own, basically her own goals in mind at that point, and her girl has become no one. So in that case, she really has kind of died and brought back to life, but not in a literal sense. Mm -hmm. So those would be my five points, is it doesn't say a gender, uh... Two, you know, it says the Battle of the Dawn. Three, it says between uh, smoke, smoke and salt, which we know what happens in season eight. So I'm trying to cut that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other two pieces are, you know, she kind of became no one at that point. So I would say not died and come back, but her old life is now a new life. And then my last point there is a bleeding star. I don't think that actually has to mean a star. I think it could be even King's Landing. The old ruler that was in is no longer to be the ruler anymore. But she didn't have anything to do with that. But, I mean, it's just kind of abstract. But So, so my so if we're going to debate on that, is she with Arya being... Does a, a Azor high even have a point anymore? It's not, in the, not in the series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully exactly. in the book. Like, like, yeah. Hopefully we bring that up in the book. That's where I feel like we really got <laughs> yeah, screwed. Yeah, we got real screwed for sure. Like this, you know they got approved for 10 seasons and they decided just to make it eight because they wanted to pursue and Star they, Wars. And then also then they get approved for 10 episodes in the season too. 10 episodes each season for 10 seasons. Yeah. We'll, which we'll get we'll into that, that summer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we got we got feelings, guys. We can't tell, cool. right? <laughs> but, but that's uh, burned. But yeah. that was my point. Is that well, it's not know? burned yet because we're gonna debate on it. Because yeah. here's my thing with Arya, she she has no. There's nothing important about her in a, in the sense that she was born in the long summer, right? On top of that, she's the third or fourth. No, so it was born Rob. John, well, John's not really Ned Stark's son, so we'll we'll take John out. 
Rob, uh, Bran, no, yeah, Rob, Sansa, Bran, Arya, wait, who's older, Bran or Arya? I think Bran's supposed to be older, right? And then Recon, regardless. Yeah, Arya was the youngest. She, well, no, Recon's the youngest. Oh, he was a well, baby, remember? He's dead. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, the point is. He the, couldn't do, he did the Recon run and. <laughs> the Recon run. <laughs> do the no, Recon run. But the biggest point I'm making on that is she was, she, there was many people in the hierarchy of their, their great house before she meant anything, right? Rob Stark, he was supposed to be a lord. Then after him, there's like um, there's Sansa for the Lady of Winterfell or Bran, whatever it is, you know. So they all they all are have some sort of prominence. But she had like being the fourth born, like there's you're not there's nothing much to you there. So you know, on top of that, she has another important role, and that's to fulfill a prophecy about the eyes that she will shut. Um, more than she seems to have any sort of. Uh, being like the prince or princess that was promised because she technically can't be because she's not a prince or a princess but that's, that's another oh i'm sorry I that, like that's that's the point is that she's technically not a prince or princess but the gender it has no meaning in believing it's not it's not it's not about gender she like being like what, okay what, you, know what, what you know what a prince or yes, princess like is like born royalty. to a queen exactly yes. okay that's i point. see what you're saying so now. john yeah. he was at least born to rhaegar and liana and then Rhaegar was going to be the king, so he would be the prince. So John could be the prince. Daenerys was born from um, what's his face, Aerys the Mad King, right? So she was a princess. So okay, though, though that's why I, I I can't see Arya. She she's literally not a princess. But then you got another point, right? Like, what if in the books she became that? Because remember, Ned in season one, he wanted her to marry. Uh, you know, of royalty and become queen. But what did she say? No, that's no. not me. Yeah. Okay. I can agree with that. So, oh, that's like, that was my only No, I agree with it. I think, I think I was, you made some really valid points. Um, it just, you know, it sucks. <laughs> and I hate to use that word, but it does because we'll talk about this later when we get into season eight, but this whole Azor high thing basically makes no point now. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Like it's complete crap. I'm, we're, 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 we're hoping <laughs> yeah. we're hoping for it in the books, but yeah. yeah. So, so I know we kind of went on on a little tangent there, but that's what cool. we love to do here. Peace. I'll throw that you up know? with your malice po- card. Yeah, baby. for sure. Yeah, good stuff. So let's jump back in here. We uh, we go down to um, Malisandra tells Danny to summon Jon Snow to tell him the things that he's seen and lived through, and Tyrion actually vouches for him. Yeah, uh, which is pretty awesome. So Danny demands that they send a raven to Jon Snow, but adds that he must bend the knee. Exactly. And keep in mind, you know, Tyrion was saying, I believe he'll make a valuable ally. They don't give a shit about the whites at this point. They, they don't yeah, even they think don't know. Real. They don't know about them, really. I mean, they no one's heard from like like what they are. So that's, <clears throat> you know, we're going to find out here in a second. Like but. you have two different perspectives going. Mm-hmm. Danny is all about taking down Cersei right now. Yes. And then you have John, who's not even thinking about that. He's just thinking about staying alive because what's to come with the real war? Which this is what pisses me off, too. We go back to that Tyrion quote, like conquering Westeros would be easy for you, but you're not here to be Queen of the Ashes. Number one, we know what happens in fucking next season. So what's the point? Like, why? Like, I guess I have to save this for either the summary or season eight, because it really makes me angry with the strategy that they went with and decided to uh, go north and fight the Night King first. That makes no sense, and we'll get into that later. We'll get into but, that uh, summary up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> so, but cool. uh, actually, now we're talking about that. Uh, Jon Snow shows some growth here, 
and he asks Sansa her opinion on Tyrion and the letter. And so, like, instead, because, like, that's her whole thing is she wanted to let him know, like, hey, like, I'm valuable, I'm an asset. And so, John, he he grows and he learns and he asks Sansa, so, what's your, like, you know, tell me, like, what you feel and what you think about Tyrion. And so I thought that was pretty cool. So, uh, it, w- it was very interesting for me that they didn't want him, obviously they didn't want him to go. That's the, that was a whole thing that they didn't want him to leave and that it could be a trap and that they want him to bend the knee uh, you know, and how the Starks don't fare well when they go south, but again, he's not Stark, so a couple things there that I just, I just kind of yeah. think about a little bit, but and then we kind of jump back over to King's Landing Cersei! Yeah! Ooh! Yeah, dude Crazy cra- what Take did, what me did down! You- Gotta love the face! <laughs> Crazy bitch! <laughs> yeah, what did you write down about this scene? Because I, I have some notes that I wrote there What did you think about what she did in open court there and held her open court? Like Tell me your thoughts on that. <laughs> to be in all honest, I focus more on the scene on Randall Tarley and Jamie and what happens kind of later on. But so I mean, this is then let me let me tackle the thing that happens before because yeah, Cersei it. holds an open court and basically she man, she manipulates her people to stand with her against Danny. Yeah. She makes it seem like oh these are four innovators like they were come to rape your children like she she's doing all that she can to basically keep these like straight up lying to these houses so that way it demonizes Danny when if I believe if these people knew Danny's true intentions and what she wanted to be there they honestly the people of King's Landing probably could have overthrown Cersei themselves so the fact that she manipulates and uses her words to get to the head of people and and drive that fear home. I found that pretty interesting. Oh, and I'm glad you said that because it kind of feeds into what happens in a minute because mm-hmm. there's a really good quote about that. So, you know, Jamie meets Dickon and Randall, which at first he was he like Dickory Doc or whatever he'd say. <laughs> like, Rickon? Dickory? <laughs> I'm just Dickory, yeah, Dickory Doc. It's funny Rickon, you can't say his name. That's Like, yeah, no idea. But, um, you know, Jamie says a quote here trying to persuade randall almost like cersei and it's funny how he really learns from his sister because he says she wants the throne so badly she brought the dothraki to our shores do you fight with us or foreign savages and eunuchs when the war is won the queen will need a new warden of the south i can think of no better man than randall tarley and it it goes to show like he's really doing exactly what cersei is she brought these foreign whores to your shores and it it you know it's all these perspectives but then again you make you almost wonder is it because they remember their dad but it's it's funny too and another point they didn't even notice danny really until almost the last season because she's got these big ass dragons is what's going on yeah um and then yeah so it's when he tells that i like i like that that you brought up that he basically dangled the carrot of him becoming warden of the south because they, he basically, she told them that the Tyrells are in open rebellion, and if you guys know, the Tarleys are pledged to House Tyrell, and so what Jamie was doing there is he was trying to turn Randall Tarley against the Tyrells, which right now there's only one Tyrell in prominence, and it's Olenna, and the reason why is because Cersei blew the sept to Baylor all to hell uh, with Marjorie and Mace <laughs> yeah. Tyrell and and Loras Tyrell inside, so there's no Tyrell alive um <laughs> what's that so outside, uh, outside of lena what's that song is this place about to blow oh, 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 oh. Oh, kesha, kesha <laughs> yeah, blow kesha. Yeah. yeah 
hundred percent. But uh, what you were saying, you know, it really goes to show Randall gets kind of pissed about that. Yeah, dude. He and he remember, guys. Randall Tarley was the only one to beat Robert Brathian in uh, in a battle. Yeah, like, and remember, Jamie actually even he, has he a point mentioned about that. that. Yeah, he mentioned that. And it it goes to show Randall's loyalty and how he he really gets offended by this statement. Yeah. Um, Randall was a loyal guy. Like just because he was a complete total of Sam dickhead yeah you know but listen to this Jamie goes you were the only man to defeat Robert Baratheon in battle not even Rhaegar Tar- Targaryen could do that which remember we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, the battle, battle of before, Trident uh, it was before Battle of Trident oh. it was the one right before remember and then Battle of Trident happened um, and they lost but which was right before Battle of the Bells uh, battle we talked about it the last one we'll talk about it later but Randall Tarly goes this is a big famous quote here because it really goes to show everyone thinks the Lanterners are Lannisters are almost like treasonous snakes that just have all the fucking money. Uh, he says, "It's funny because they have no money." <laughs> I'm a Tarly. That name means something. We're not oath breakers and we're not schemers. We don't stab our rivals in the back or cut their throats at weddings. I swore <laughs> an oath to House Tyrell that, like he. At this point, he's like, "Who the, who the fuck do you think you are bringing this up to me?" Not to mention, he's clearly Jamie's senior. Like at this point, think of that. That'd be almost like going up to your veteran grandfather after you graduated college. So what if you're some great swordsman? Not to mention, you got your damn hand cut off. So now you're a piece of shit that can barely escape. But you're going up to your veteran grandfather and saying, "I'm the shit." You should work for me. And he's thinking, well, fuck. I got a master's degree. I fucking was in the war five years. What the fuck have you done? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you done? That's exactly what this is at this moment. Yeah. And Jamie even says, you swore an oath to the crown as well. She was a great woman once. Now she is broken. She wants revenge so badly. She brought the Dothraki to our shores, the Dothraki in Westeros for the first time in history. Still ragging on Danny at this point. Well, that was actually on Olena. Ragging on Olena. Oh, Olena. Yeah, yeah sorry. But, but yeah. Still, I feel what you're saying. Yep. Still using the foreign horrors kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you want to take it from here? Yeah, so now you know. Now we're talking about the Tarleys, right? Sam, we're back at uh, the Citadel, and he asks the Archmaester to try and help the man with Greysdale, and the Archmaester says no. And Jorah speaks his last name, and Sam realizes who it is. And why this is important is think about everything that Sam owes to Gior Mormont. Gior Mormont. One of the quotes I didn't even write it down here, just off the top. Remember, I remember from like the earlier seasons. He says, "I forbid you to die, Samwell Tarley." Remember, and he made his brothers like yeah. carry him back to the wall, and he basically told uh, Rast that if Sam dies, he dies too. So like he like owes his whole entire life to Gior Mormont. Uh, you know, always treated him fairly and treated him well. When everyone else in the Night's Watch looked down and spat on Sam for being a coward and not being very helpful at all on the battlefield or always you know running away from conflicts. So I just thought it was pretty cool how that came full circle. And keep in mind, you know, when we're seeing Jorah at this point, well, of yeah, course, Randall... probably describe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, Randall winds up swearing his allegiance to Jamie, which we know. But Jorah... We didn't at the time, though. He didn't, yeah, he didn't say it, but right. we figured it out later. Which but, we'll yeah. get into later. But Jorah, he's completely eaten up with this grayscale. 
Like it's yeah. like chicken pox. Like that shit. Spreads. If you guys ever watched Jason X, it's like how half his body was like aluminum, like like a steel, and the other part was just regular skin. Kind of same thing here. All like one part of his chest plate was all covered in that nasty like rocky scaly. It looks just it was nasty dude. as fuck. It looks so, nasty. If you think, imagine it. Like if you like had if you drove a motorcycle before and you fell and you skinned your leg and how that heals a little bit at a time and like it's a big old scab think of a body size scab is basically what this thing is and and it's growing and so well it was so I, bad yeah. remember the maester said he tells jorah i'll give you because you're a knight if you were not you know i would have sent, sent you off right now to the doom with the cave people yeah the stone people stone the, people yeah. <laughs> the cave people the barbarians <laughs> the thraggy over there yeah um but because he's a knight, he'll give him 24 hours. Like, And then keep in mind, when he said that, he looked towards his sword. Meaning, like, he thought he would convince Jor to take his own life. Yeah. So since you're, since you're a Westerosi, like, uh, anointed knight, I'll give you 24 hours and looks at Jorah's sword. So I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. Um, and this is a cool part. Uh, what happens next with Qyburn? Yeah, and, and Ky- Qyburn down there when we see Valerian on the Dread Skull. <laughs> And I do want to talk about this just a little bit because this is really cool. Uh, and this is kind of what I was telling you a little bit earlier today because I know I can go on tangents. Like Josh knows, <laughs> like, God, fuck your owls, man. <laughs> fuck your owls. But so they go down into the Red Keep and even Quiburn's like, Balleri on the Dread. And, you know, they're discussing at this point, you know, Danny's I'm get, guy. I'm going to drink while he does this. Oh, yeah. It might be a minute. Go ahead and fill my cup. How about we get a little malice up in here, man? Let's well, get a little so malice in the chat. How about you finish, finish that and stop babysitting that drink, and then we can do it together. Oh, yeah. How about I little, oh, get a little chuggy chug over here? Yeah. I wonder what that sounds like to people on the podcast. Guys, does this sound like someone peeing when I pour this wine? Sounds like Big Dirty. How about that? Oh, yeah. jeez. Fuck them till they're dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's actually talked about G.R. Mormont. That's what the guy said to yeah, G.R. Mormont's played. skull while mm-hmm. he had him in there. So. They were great. We but got full circles for everybody today. <laughs> First circle, full fucking circles. Fuck them yeah. till they're dead. Fuck oh, yeah. and that's one thing I wanted to mention, too, before we get into Balerion, when we were talking about Sam while I'm still pouring this wine here. Uh, that, that, that's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a full circle moment, too, because like basically uh, Sam has a, has the chance to repay back everything G.R. Mormont did for him and keeping him alive at the Night's Watch by saving his son, G.R. Mormont. Exactly. So, full circle. Full circle. Josh was like, let me get fucked up before you go oh, on your I'm tangent. I'm going to have to listen to this. <laughs> Come on, your damn tangent. Yeah. Fuck we'll yeah. be here for six hours. And I don't even have to use a damn malice card because yeah. we're talking mm-hmm. about Balerion. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So they go down into the Red Keep. And this is a big part because Quiburn's like, well, we've been working on Quiburn. 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 Not Quiburn. Jin. He is a freaking weirdo. It's Quiburn. He is, you know who Quiburn is? (laughs) Whatever his name is. He is like kind of the best friend of the cool guy that like keeps trying to get all the cool guys slay. (laughs) He's literally the mastermind behind the popular person. Like, you know how like, like. Like the guy of Facebook, like the face of Facebook, you know, nice, decently looking guy could be Drop sociable and talk to people. But <laughs> yeah. then like, then um, they have like that, the nerdy guy in the background who's like really the mastermind of everything. That's Kyburn. Yeah. You basically just called Justin Timberlake Kyburn because he's the one that said drop the the. <laughs> yeah, well, the social this, network. This, that's a movie. <laughs> We're talking about real life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <we'll> <laughs> but anyway, so they go down to the Red Keep and Kyburn's basically like, I said it right this time. You didn't sure I? did. Kyburn, yeah. Kyburn's basically like, you know, 
don't worry because her dragons are vulnerable. We're working on that because Cersei's like she has three big ass dragons. How are we gonna stop this shit? Well, they show. I call it the scorpion. That's it, what it's it, called. It's right? called the scorpion. Yeah, the scorpion. And basically, what this thing does is they pull it back. It's almost like this big ass crossbow, mm-hmm. but is on like a rotating kind of wheel thing where you yep. can like sit. Well, later you can sit down, but yeah, it like rotates. And when they shoot this thing, it's this big ass fucking spear and it shoots through this huge skull and this massive skull is who we always talk about is Beleriand the Dread, which remember is that big black dragon that Aegon actually rode. And we should really, really preface the fact when we talk about Beleriand the Dread, he's about double the size of Drogon because Drogon at this point in time is only seven years old, six years old. Yeah. Six years old, not a full grown dragon yet. Balerion was, what, 800 years old or something? How old was Balerion? I don't know. You have the history of dragons a while Balerion back. died when he was almost 200. 200. So, like, that's, like, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the size, like, you guys think Drogon's big? Balerion was, like, double the size of Drogon. And we're so. going to talk about that because a lot of people don't know. He he really almost died early. Yeah, and a lot right. of people don't know this. Um, they think he just kind of died off at Is old age. Is that what age. you're going into right now? Yeah, okay. and I'm going to talk about this right now just so... You know, they have a little bit... Because I think this is a perfect time. Because mm-hmm. we see that massive skull on screen. Yep. You're like, who the fuck is this? Yep. So, Balerion, just to give you a little bit of history, which we talk about all the time. So, this will kind of piece it together for you. I know we kind of done a lot of timelines on this show today. Balerion was originally ridden by Aegon the Conqueror. Not Ares, Danny's dad. Like, well, the, the first... Danny, Ares' dad didn't have a dragon. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, I think but people a, knew that. <laughs> a lot of people get confused by the... Aegon the Conqueror, A's, 300 though, years you know? ago, Aegon. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, um, which makes sense with the 200, you know. Mm-hmm. But he was so large, they actually quoted to say his shadow would swall an in, swallow an entire town whole when he took flight. Think about back in season three... When we would see, you know, the dragon shadow. Like, imagine that swallowing yeah, all like, of like, King's like Landing. Like the premonition of yeah. like, following King's Landing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Aegon, just to give you an idea, rode him, just to give you an idea of how many wars this guy survived and was still in his prime, he survived War of the Riverlands, War in the Stormlands, War in the West, a standoff between the north of the Vale and an invasion, uh, invasion, an invasion, <laughs> invasion of Dorne. Um, that was over years and years and years, which that's more for the summary episode. But the point is, like, that's a long time. Uh, so after that, you know, Aegon becomes king over the Seven Kingdoms. This is still when Baelorons in his prime. He wound up being the last surviving dragon after the doom of Valyria, mm-hmm. which remember we talked about a little bit on the show of the cataclysm. A lot of people don't know they had, you know, hundreds of dragons at the time and the dragons they were said came out of the 14 volcanoes there he was the last surviving dragons of those which is why a lot of people wonder if that's what why his size was so huge because almost like if dragons were bigger during that time because they came straight out of the volcanoes um he was the oldest dragon and the last to die baileron was 12 years old during the cataclysm so very young which is how you know, he Very young, but still also. older than Drogon now. Right, exactly. Uh, he actually personally burned down Hall by himself, which was the original castle there. Uh, took part in the Field of Fire uh, with Vagar and Marxes. 
after Aegon died, he was ridden by Magor the Cruel. Magor the Cruel was the son of Aegon. Um, and Magor... And, like, there's even... Like, remember, it's called Magor's Holdfast. There's buildings built after these people. Right, so, yeah. exactly. Um, Magor had him during an 11-year-long... Remember, the Faith Militia Uprising. If you listen to some of our previous episodes, there was an episode where I talked about where they were all in the church and Magor locked them in there and he took Baileron to King's Landing and burned them down alive. That's what this was. That's where this lines up on that timeline. After that, he fought in the Battle of Big Fork and Blackwater Battles, which were some smaller battles. Uh, but he actually, after this, Magor was so old, he basically dismounted him and he didn't have a rider for several years. Long, long time, actually. Because uh, then you have... Uh, Jerry's uh, the first. Uh, well, who Jerry's the first was the son of Magor, and then he didn't ride Jerry's. He actually rode. Uh, well, Valerian wouldn't ride Jerry's since Valerian's a dragon and not a person. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. <laughs> Jerry's didn't ride. We're Valerian. talking about dragons. <laughs> That's so <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, Rihanna and Jerry's the first married. So. Their, their, it's so Megor's son. Their daughter is the way to explain this. So Megor's son Jerry is married Rihanna. They had a daughter Aria, uh, Aria Targaryen. Um, she actually claimed Baleron. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of like that whole, almost like Aragon, but a more depressing story. I would say. Um, they still grew up in Dragonstone because they hadn't left Dragonstone yet because no one left Dragonstone until Danny. Um, but she was really almost looked at as, as an outcast uh, from her parents. So Baleon really kind of developed this childlike relationship with her when he was really older, starting to get a little bit older at this point, uh, was like, uh, you know, a little past his prime. Uh, and he actually wound up bonding with her and she took him off on her own. And it got so bad at one point, they completely left Dragonstone, like just flew off on their own. And there was even rumors that they went over to, you know, where we talked about uh, the, the fighting pits over in Slaver's Bay. Um, and that there was a rumor of this big dragon haunting the hills of the fighting pits. So basically they think she just went over there and kicked ass just to win some money and some something to do. But then they actually returned one day. Um, and this was years and years later when Aria was older. So, you know, an older adult, I would say. I didn't give an exact number. But they landed in the courtyard, surrounded by the entire council. Um, even the maester at the time described them as they had these worm-like creatures coming out of both, in, both of them. Uh, the grand maester, Septon Barth, said, I had never seen anything like it before. Uh, Aria, what they did was they plunged her into a freezing bath as the parasite creatures were protruding out of her, out of her stomach, out of her mouth, and they actually killed her before she even got out of the bath. Baileron still survived, but they couldn't get all of them out. Like, he was basically dying slowly at this point. Um, and what happened was, at that point, he became basically so weak, he couldn't do literally much uh actually there was one other rider that tried to grab him after 
Aria died. So Baleron lived. Balerion. <laughs> I keep saying Baleron. Balerion, this is almost when he's 200. This is probably, I guess, 20 years before or something. After Aria's death, he was the first dragon where he was housed in the dragon pit. And Jairi's grandson, Viserys I, tried to ride him when he was this old. And he said, quote, he can only fly around the city before we had to turn around. Um, he was still regarded as the greatest Targaryen dragon to ever live since the fall of, Delir- of Valyria. And um, Vagar and Viserys I, when he died, were basically completely broken. And uh, he died and he was buried in the Red Keep. That's where the skull is. That yeah, it's they pretty, were shooting the scorpion at. <laughs> pretty amazing because people don't even realize, like, what if he never... I mean, th- it was things they couldn't even figure out. Like, what if he never got hit by that? Who knows how long he would have gone. Well, to me, I think the biggest part about that whole thing is we really realize we think that Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal are these huge dragons, when in reality, they're only six years old. Yeah, and it even says here, so there's 19 skulls in the Red Keep. He was the largest one, and he was completely black, which is actually before they used to call him the Black Dread, which eventually, you know, they called him Baleron the Dread. So awesome. pretty wild. Yeah. I so, guess there goes my malice card, baby. Sure I'll does. go ahead and take that <laughs> shit to the middle. There Fuck you yeah. Go. Put, it, <laughs> put it to the shadow realm. So, yeah, I mean, Kyburn shows Cersei the scorpion. She launches it and it penetrates Balerion's skull, which is pretty important um, because now you know that this thing can penetrate the skull of a full-blown dragon the size of Balerion, knowing that we have a potential weakness for Daenerys' dragons. And so... Um, now, Yara and Alaria, they we're back at Dragonstone, by the way. Yara and Alaria, they want Daenerys to strike King's Landing now. Now, Tyrion disagrees because tens of thousands will die. Of course, that's ironic because what happens anyways later on. So, Danny holds off, but should she have? So now, I'm summoning my great Fuck. debate card. <laughs> great. Here we go. <laughs> right? So, it's, it's funny. We thought maybe we could knock this out in two, but... I don't know. Now we're, we're all these yeah. debates and stuff are thrown in here. My debate. I knew this would happen, by the way. My, uh, Josh was like, uh, we'll probably do this in one one long I, episode. I thought we could probably <laughs> do it in two for sure, but now I'm not so sure. But anyways, <laughs> the great debate, because we're not even through, through episode two right now. But yeah. uh, my great debate is I believe that Daenerys should have struck King's Landing first already hard and got it all the way before Cersei had time to get the gold cloak, the gold company from Bravos before she had time to strike Highgarden and take the Tyrell's gold. I believe she made a huge error in judgment listening to Tyrion and not attacking King's Landing immediately. What his whole thing was, he wanted to save tens of thousands of lives. Guess what happened anyways? All of them got fucked up, which I don't, I don't want to talk about too much because that's kind of like the end of, of next season. But the problem is, is that Everything Tyrion was scared would come to pass came to pass anyway. So if it was going to happen anyways, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but the upside was so much greater if she took King's Landing immediately because she could. Because Cersei, she she was scrambling. She was scrambling. She didn't have a full-fledged answer from the Tarleys yet. She didn't have the Tyrell gold to pay the, the Iron Bank of Bravos. Uh, she didn't have the um, the golden company that she purchased from the Iron Bank of Bravos. On top of that, she only had maybe three of the Seven Kingdoms loyal to her and had no one in place. Literally, the Unsullied, 
The Dothraki and her dragons could have fucked King's Landing up and took it immediately. Yes, there would have been tens of thousands of people dead, but now she's got a huge vantage point. She's got full control. She would have killed Cersei. Everyone would have bent the knee to her because who, if Cersei couldn't stop this lady, who else was going to stop him? So now she's got King's Landing, and on top of that, they probably could have made an alliance with Jon Snow in the beginning, like at the north, if she was the new queen of the Seven Kingdoms. Yes, she probably would want him to bend the knee, but guess what? He bends the knee anyways. Sorry, spoiler, my bad. But regardless, this was the way to go, taking King's Landing first. This is what happens when you listen to people who have other interests other than just uh, their own. So I don't know, man. I'm just... I think that was that's my reasoning to why she should have took King's Landing immediately. <sighs> this is such a big debate. <laughs> um, this is tough because you gotta think of the perspectives because you're kind of thinking from John's shoes. We need to stop them as early as they can so they don't kill as many people as they can. But. And but like, the, what if the army's the weaker? Is, look how long. Like, John's not even in Dragonstone yet. Sorry for spoiler. Like, John, like he hasn't even gotten the Raven yeah, saying that they're right. on the way down to uh, uh, the Wall yet. That that Raven hasn't come to John telling him that uh, Bran saw the the because um, Bran's not at Winterfell yet. So here's the issue. Here's the problem. Because th- what we're about to go into was whole Tyrion's plan. Basically, starve them out because he wanted to save people. I get your point, which I have to, I do completely agree with you. And here's shit. Here's why, because here's my perspective. I think it didn't matter because you're going to have to, unfortunately, not that I would say this, it's war. Innocent people are going to die. This is just the way it happens. It's not the way we want it. Just shit's going to happen. So I have to say, I would completely agree that's the best way to do it because I wouldn't have gone in and attacked their ass all the way at the fucking wall. I would have known their shit was going to go through it anyways with 100,000 fucking people. Like, you're going to get through that shit. So you drop back to King's oh. Landing and you build everything you have. Just thought about this, and I'm very, very sorry for some spoiler here. If she never goes north of the wall, guess what the Night King doesn't have to break the wall down? Exactly. Which we'll get into that in a bit. Like, that that's the thing. You know, and then you wait for them, right? And you fall back. Now the catch is, then you have because, another problem. Because the wall, keep in mind, guys, the wall has magic that keeps it. So as long as the wall stands, the dead cannot pass. Benjamin Stark says that. And that's part of the thing why he can't go past the wall back when he brought Mira and Bran to the the wall to be safe. Which and, we're going to talk about in one of these episodes. I think ooh. that was the whole deal with the trap. So right? I'm saying. Which just, goes into fucking John being a dumbass. Like, here's the other thing, too. Like, would John ever agree to that shit? Because John always wants to be on the front line and be the hero. One thing she always told about Tyrion that she even says in the series, you know why I love you? You're not a hero. You're not a hero. And think about every time. This is a big point, and I'm glad you brought this up because this is a huge debate for this show, even relative to this season. Because every single time she went against Tyrion... 
something awful happened. But I disagree on that aspect because she listened to Tyrion, tried to take Casterly Rock. They got fucked because Jamie was three steps ahead of them. They got, they got the Unsullied that are trapped there because the Young Greyjoy burnt their ships. They took Casterly Rock and can't hold it because they've got no food. They burnt the food stores. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying. They listened to Tyrion there. It's too late. They listened to Tyrion about going to take Dorne. Guess what? Euron Greyjoy fucked them up at Dorne too. So like, any time she listened to Tyrion as well, still shit bad did happen. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's just bad shit crazy. Uh. Because here's the problem, right? And Tyrion's big on building allies. At that point, you just say fuck it, and you go in with everything you had before John even gets there. Now, I think the real debate is because I completely agree with you. I think they did it taking backwards. King's Landing is the way to go. Yeah, but taking King's Landing at what time? Do you take? Can you take it immediately, immediately. without John's help? Yes. Without they John, could've. they could have. Yeah, they easily could. Yeah, have. I mean, that's what made, that's what they literally the the second the thing second thing I've written down by Tyrion conquering Westeros would be easier for you, but you're not here to rule over the ashes. You're not here to be queen of the ashes. So here's another question in that debate: Do you think Tyrion was really looking out for the Lannisters, which is why he came up with this whole fucking scheme? Or this was actually a good idea. I think he wanted Danny to be queen, but also figure out a way to kind of best of both worlds. Like, I want Daenerys to rule, but I also want somehow I can save the lives of Cersei and Jaime, maybe get them out of Westeros or get them to bend the knee and, like, you know. I completely like, agree with that. I think, like, I have I think to for sure agree. it was it was kind of like, what can I do to appease both? Because remember when he met with Jaime later on, and I know we're jumping all up over ahead of this shit, but it's important. Like, he was talking, like, you know, how much he's loved his family. You know how much he's cared for them, and like you know, he he holds regrets for killing his father, and like he's terrified, he's like terribly sad about the death of Marcella and Tommen and jo well, not Joffrey, but uh, so like I I do, like that's my answer is that I think he wanted a way to take King's Landing and have Daenerys be the queen, but spare Jaime and Cersei's life somehow. And I have to have to completely agree because you even see in this season, you'll see times where remember even Danny. She'll be like, she even said at one point, was it, was it for me or was it for your family? Were you trying to protect your family? Yeah. There's even other scenes, which we'll talk about in this huge battle that happens in episode four. Tyrion's basically watching his family completely broken and can't believe it. So I have to, you know, I think this is one of those great debates. I would say I have to completely agree with you. I think they take King's Landing first, and she doesn't negotiate with John. But then, do, do they even have the alliance with John at that point? Thing is, I think we they could have because think about it this way: they didn't need to have the alliance with John in the beginning. Like she didn't need John's help to take King's Landing. That wasn't the whole point of her meeting with John. The whole point was her meeting with John was so that he would bend the knee, and then he tells them of the army of the dead, and she doesn't really believe it, and they go beyond the wall. Sorry again, going ahead. But anyways, so regardless, she finally learns that shit. He's telling the truth. But the the point I'm making is that they could have built that alliance while she was queen of King's Landing. But here's my issue. Remember, John said the only reason he was going because Dragonglass. He right. didn't want to go. So she wouldn't even be in Dragonstone. She'd be right. in King's Landing. And that's that's the thing is though is that she if she's the queen of the Seven Kingdoms, he goes down there and asks to mine the Dragonglass at Dragonstone. Why is she gonna tell him no? Like okay. she's not even holding Dragonstone. That. Like I that's could... not her place. Like if he can convince her and talk to her, you know, maybe she still makes him bend the knee, which you know he eventually does anyways. Like I okay. can see that. Like, yeah, because you know? she would still own Dragonstone. Yeah. Okay. So that I. I don't know. 
I got to completely agree with you on this one. I think they did it backwards. Ass backwards. <laughs> and that's why you don't leave John to be a fucking military commander, <laughs> unfortunately. And, and, and that's sad because it's like, does John even have a place? Does John even have a fucking place? Because he can't be a good military commander and he can't be like, but, he can be king, but I mean, that's good, really he's his a only good place. leader of people. That's exactly my point is he's a good, that's why I think he's like, my opinion would he be the prince that was promised? Cause he's a good leader of people. He's good at getting people to believe in him. And he's the first one to put himself in harm's way to save others, making others believe in him as well. So thinking that he's going to be the best option for the people. So that's why I, I just I think that he would make a great ruler, maybe not necessarily the best military commander. It's not the same thing, you know. I think his place was meant to rule, but you know, I whatever. Can, I I gotta agree with you, man. I gotta agree with you hundred percent. And so ends the great debate. <laughs> Burn that shit to the south. The shadow oh, realm does the great debate to the shadow realm. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's let's continue great. on through the rest of episode two, and then we'll we'll close out for the day here. Um, but yeah, so now we're we're down where. Uh, with the Westerosi army is necessary because Cersei is trying to play to the undecided house's loyalties to their country, which is easy if they are being invaded by the foreigners. So this is one thing I do agree with Tyrion on, is that he wanted that uh, the Dornish to come back uh, to fight and also the army of Highgarden, so that way it didn't seem like she's using foreign invaders to take over their lands. It's their, it's their own people from Westeros that are fighting for this Dragon Queen. Right. So I love that. I like that a lot. So explain that mm -hmm. so they understand. Because a lot okay. of people don't understand this military strategy. It so was basically to the, starve them out. Here's the plan. Yara takes Ilaria. So Yara, the you know, the, the queen of the Iron Islands, but not really. Like, you know, because Yaron's the king, but like she should have been. So Yara, she takes Ilaria, the leader of Dorne, back to Sunspear. And the Iron Fleet will ferry the Dornish army back up to King's Landing. The Dornish will lay siege to the capital alongside the Tyrell army, so the two great kingdoms unite against Cersei, and the Unsullied have another objective to take Casterly Rock. So while so while the Unsullied are taking so while the Dornish are taking them from the ass end from the south. <laughs> sorry. Ass in the south. And then nice. the, the uh, Tyrells are taking them, you know, coming west forward down to King's Landing there, and then Casterly Rock on the other side, basically coming in as like, you know, Almost like that. Uh, Basically, that, they're entrapping exactly. them and they're starving Closing in on them. Yeah. So that's the point is that it's going to be the majority of the army is going to look like it's Westerosi because remember, Dornish is one of the one of the seven kingdoms, right? So Dorne is one of the seven kingdoms and Highgarden is one of the like one of the ones in the seven kingdoms. So it's a lot easier to convince the undecided houses to side with Daenerys if they're seeing other Westerosi people agreed inside with them and it's a great idea in theory it just don't work out because they're <laughs> and keep in mind casterly rock like that's where they all believed their big money and power goes so if they take that away their whole idea is then the lannisters have no money well, which they, they had didn't no have idea. no money i think it was more along the lines of like it was it was like a power play because that's their home that's the lannister home right like, it was like okay yeah. yeah we're taking their home from them so like yeah like that's so that was the which, idea behind the, the plan I want to say this quote, because this is a big quote. Olena, this is very foreshadowing here, because Olena tells Danny, you know, she says, peace never lasts, my dear. Will you take a bit of advice from an old woman? Mm -hmm. He's a clever man, your hand. I've known a great many clever men. I've outlived them all. You know why? 
I ignored them. The lords of Westeros are sheep. Are you a sheep? No, you're a dragon. Be a dragon. Right there. Elena just tells her, don't listen to Tyrion. Go take Westeros. Go take, take the Landing. fucking shit okay, and burn it down. Yeah. Yep. So that was the bad move on their part but so yeah you have gray worm crying like a yep bitch. exactly gray worm <laughs> yeah. telling the sunday that she's his I weakness in the club <laughs> and i shake my stuff i think you sing that song once per episode <laughs> I, I went yeah. back and listened to our last two just to like you know I, I like enjoying listening to us so i've heard him sing that exact I quote <laughs> in the club i'll do the remix version next time oh goodness get you get you in the club so yeah gray worm <laughs> yeah. tells miss sunday that she is his weakness they kiss they get naked they and they fuck. get dirty. They, they get it. They get a little dirty, and we're closing in here. But we got a couple more points here to make before we close out uh, episode two, man. Oh, <laughs> maybe we don't say that. <laughs> Getting some of that sleigh ride, oh, Santa's sleigh coming to oh, town. Man. They, yeah, she like which drops is interesting because like he has no cock or balls or like very, we don't know because like we don't know what they cut out. Remember, like, and she yeah. he like which I think this was a good moment because this. Never but then like in again the we see like she moves his head down like his head is the one that goes down. Yeah. So he's, like, you, he yeah, went so we down don't know south. what we don't know what's what with this, but that going downtown. They get busy, they get dirty. Going Anyways. downtown. <laughs> so yeah. this is something I did want to mention, because now we're moving on past that. A chronicle of the wars following King Robert the First is the name the Archmaester wants to give the book, the book that eventually becomes a song of ice and fire. Because that's when Sam's like he's like, What, you don't like the title? He's like, Well, I think it should be something a little bit more poetic. So, guys, this is huge because this entire series is called, what, A Song of Ice and Fire? It was initially meant to be a chronicle of the wars following King Robert I. Right. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty badass. And, you know, this is when Sam wants to really try to cure that grayscale. And he's, like, completely covered. He has to remove the entire layer of tissue. He asked the Archmaester the... again, and the Archmaester says, no. Fuck that shit. You're going to die, bitch. So ain't going to You're going to die. <laughs> so, yeah and then and apply the ointment which is awesome because before you get into what he does jorah writes a letter to danny that he never ends up sending and i should have paused it and, and read what it said but i didn't but he starts writing a note i can only imagine is his last goodbyes to her because he thinks he's gonna have to take his own life um and he failed to find a cure and so, he's a uh, he's still in the friend zone never yeah gets no matter what right never gets none of that so yeah then tarps. then, then <laughs> yeah. sam goes to jorah tells him of his allegiance to jorah's father Gior. you are not going to die today sir jorah that's a great quote yeah that's awesome because then he goes against the archmaster's command and operates on him yeah, yeah. and it's just nasty it's so like gross. he has to like chisel like into chisel, it like and then scapel like, it off and then you could hear the, like the, the, the pus the pus is going you and he can when you hear it ripping you can hear the noise of it like imagine like, peeling off a scab auditorily guys. stunning <laughs> it's like peeling off a scab but you're popping a blister at the same time like it's it's like gross like think about like if you have a piece of duct tape and you're removing that duct tape from something that's the, like, like from your entire ah. body yeah so. leaving a scar there you go. So we'll move past him now. We'll go down to Arya reuniting with Hot Pie finally at the inn. And <laughs> he's a good one. Which he's, he's so nice. Guy. And which is interesting because, like, this is where, you know, remember she just met up with Ed Sheeran and the, that company and said she was going to kill Cersei in King's Landing. That was her entire objective is she's going to King's Landing to kill Cersei. Now, he tells Hot Pie that she's going to King's Landing too. And he goes, Why are you going to King's Landing? I thought you would go to Winterfell. And she says, Why would I go to Winterfell? The Boltons hold Winterfell. He goes, Well, haven't you heard? Yeah, yeah. The king of the north. 
John Snow, John Snow came down with, uh, with the wilding army and took back Winterfell from the Boltons, and he was named King in the North. Yeah, like so, which is which is interesting because I think the only reason I don't even know if Sansa was the sole leader of Winterfell. If Arya would have gone back, I think it's because she always had a special connection with John. Yeah. Remember that? Like, like since the beginning, John's one to give her needle. Always is the one that treated her better than because everyone always like doted on Sansa because she was the eldest daughter of Ned Stark and, and like Arya wanted to be a warrior and John's the only one that accepted her for who she was. And so I think that like if it was Sansa who was the sole leader of Winterfell, I think Arya still goes to King's Landing and kills, tries to kill Cersei. Where at least now she has to go back to Winterfell because she wants to, to be reunited with her family with John. Yeah, yep. and uh, you know this is funny kind of interesting because we see john in the crypts where you know it has the statue of ned down there and baelish starts to pull his shit well before that too john snow receives a letter from sam tarley about dragonstone being full of dragon glass okay sorry and he wants the northern houses blessing to go and meet the dragon queen danny and he doesn't even really ask he's like no listen dude i'm going they all tell him no the king of the north belongs in the north belong <laughs> like, we voted for the king of the north and he belongs in the north right <laughs> so Mormont. that's funny because he just tells him like listen like you guys put your trust in me now you guys like basically you need to trust me again here we need her help she's got three dragons fire can kill these white walkers i need to go down there and get these weapons made of dragon glass so we can help defend the north i swore like i like i swore to protect the north and that's what i like this is what i need to do to do that and so he he goes and then sansa like argues with him and and you know she goes oh, like who's gonna rule the north he goes you will yeah, yeah. and she's cool you, you have what well, you have the north until i return and meanwhile baelish has got that dirty snake smile yeah. on actually, his face. i actually wrote down the, the, the uh the book quote here so before yeah. the quote sir davos and john will ride to white harbor and sail to dragonstone and john leaves winterfell to sansa saying until i return the north is yours and you can see john plotting and now we'll go into the crypts i'll let you yeah. tackle that and you know baelish is kind of pulling his shit down here <laughs> he says, peter uh, bailey <laughs> yeah. um good old bailey goes, boy <laughs> john says you don't belong down here i have nothing how do you do the john accent i have nothing to say <laughs> i can't even do it that sounds that sounds like a, a one of the new British people. As I, I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> I have nothing to say to you. Uh, John shoves Baelish like against the wall. Well, because she he tells her that he loves Sansa as he loved his mother Catelyn. Yeah, I was just oh, my fault. Yeah, you're well, good. You know, uh, Joshy over here, <laughs> just my man. He says, uh, "Talk to my sister, and I'll kill you myself." Yep. And John. I think really is seeing at this point what Baelish is as a snake. Well, he said, touch my sister and I'll kill you myself. Touch, yeah. Uh, yeah. touch my sister. Yeah. Got it written down. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, but um, at this point, then it kind of jumps back over to Arya, which this is a big point because she's surrounded by the dire wolves. And we see Nymeria, which we haven't seen in a long time. But it's not Nymeria. Exactly. Yeah. You That's a go crazy thing. That? That's like, like, yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I know you're the direwolf fan. Yeah, here. bro. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I take spots from Chase just because I like to. <laughs> I like to tell them. So, the wolves surround Arya, and like, like, so she's on her own, and she's like got her own camp set up, and like she starts like feeling a sense of unease, and she gets surrounded by a huge pack of wolves, right? And then the leader of the pack approaches and is just snarling at her, and Arya like looks at her and it looks familiar to her. She she goes. Nymeria, Nymeria, it's me, Arya. I'm heading north, girl, back to Winterfell. I'm finally going home. Come with me. 
and the wolves all walk off and leave her be. And Arya looking confused, and it comes to her mind, wait, that's not you. So it's still not Nymeria. We don't know where Nymeria is, but either way, they must know of Nymeria because she has that special connection with the wolves, you know, being a Stark. They all just leave her alone. But my question is, what the heck was the point in that whole scene? <laughs> where that the wasn't... fuck is Nymeria? Wait, well, number one, <laughs> I don't think we sure as hell don't get to see her. <laughs> we never get to see Nymeria again. Number two, what was the point of that scene? To show us that, again that she's got a connection with the wolves? Like, I don't get it. Like, get one it. quick reminder. Hey, by the way, hey. I don't know if you remember, but there's a big-ass wolf on their banner. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, I don't understand why yeah. that, that even happened. Like, if that was Nymeria, makes sense. Awesome, we get to reunite with Arya and Nymeria. Yeah. But it wasn't, so what the fuck was right. the point? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, man. And then we kind of get this sexual Ooh, scene back over uh, in the shit, baby. Move in the club. Which kind of sucks, because, like, just as things were getting hot get and heavy. Get your fuck on. What happens? Get my fuck on. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even get a chance. Oh, didn't even get the chance. No, so you I mean, this... things, started, things started to get a little hot and heavy. And uh, remember, it was weird. It was kind of like this um, sexual girl on like, girl, woman on woman. What was really strange about it was like they were like re like they were narrating what was going like so what happens if there is a foreign invasion like as she's like oh, you hit the gra- the grabbing like Yara's like leg like I think like well he'd be forced to to uh, seems as if you don't need a protector looks right, at the yawn they they, they they rag on things Reek! like Yara, Yara tells like him like he's not your servant Yara always tries to like. Uh, defend Theon at all times, and everyone just treats Theon like a little bitch. <laughs> like they all bitch, do. Theon. Like, hey, can you fill up my glass here? Like, fill fill up my shit. Fill and she's like, I thought you didn't like the, and it's like you didn't like the ale. She's like, I'm developing a taste for it. I literally <laughs> wrote in my notes as she tries to fuck. Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> and like, so the, <laughs> Theon is sitting there again, forced, like basically forced to watch people have sex in front of him again, right? And then like he tells him to go. And bang! Goes, like, yeah. Here like, go baby it's dude. going it's going down for real <laughs> shit goes down so i got this whole shit broken down because this well, is insane and so we, we got just enough time <laughs> just enough time to finish out here before so when bang they get attacked by euron right and the fi- fight commences between the two fleets and what I wrote down is it was almost like a Pirates of the Caribbean fight. That's what I wrote down. Are you fucking shitting me? Yeah, baby. You took it. Johnny Depp at its finest. It was like the evil Johnny jumps on the ship. Yeah. Dude, it was legit like a Caribbean Pirates <laughs> Caribbean. They, they crash into the A fucking, Barbosa moment. Yeah, they crash into the thing and just jump over it onto theirs and just start taking it over. So uh, Yara sends Tyen down to Ilaria to keep her safe. So what I'll let you do... Because I'll let you do like the whole um, like the aspect aspect of the battle. What I want to do is just hit the quick key points yeah, first, and let it. you now nail the rest, and now I'll close us out. Awesome. Um, so, Euron fights Nymeria and Obara at the same time, which is crazy. Because you guys remember, who's an awesome fighter? Bronn. Bronn got his ass kicked in Dorne. Euron Greyjoy fought both of these girls at the same time. Now, Euron kills Obara first by breaking a spear on her back and jamming both pieces into her from the front. And then he proceeds to choke Nymeria with her own whip. And Tyen gets outnumbered and they take Ilaria captive, but 
bro, can we talk about that? You're on Greyjoy. Who the fuck is this guy? Ron and Jamie Lannister couldn't beat the Sand Snakes, and Euron beat them both at the same fucking time after fighting a bunch of other people while he's trying to get to them. Like, this guy's insane. So there's a lot more to Euron than meets the eye, and we need more, like, we need more backstory on this dude. Like, like, I I hate the fact they chose this actor because he doesn't portray like a dope-ass warrior. If they had a better casting, like, shit, man, maybe they should have used Aragorn as Euron Greyjoy. Dude, that Viggo Mortensen, baby. Yeah, dude, I would have used that. I see the same fear in your eyes. That's the same fear that wants to take the heart of me. Dude, seriously, straight up. This would have been badass if there was anyone else other than this guy who did it. Because he just seems like a, like a fat like idiot that just has funny. But, dude, he straight up beat the Sand Snakes two-on-one by himself. Killed them when Bronn and Jamie couldn't do it. Dude, Jamie it Lannister and Bronn you, <laughs> couldn't do it. You know who would have been a badass Euron, though? I swear if you say Oberon, I'm going to lose my shit. No, okay. I love Oberon. He's already picked. Yeah. Man, murdered her, raped her, killed the children. You brought it up this time. Yeah, right. Uh, Gerard Butler. Yeah, he would have been a fuck with badass that. Euron, dude. I could fuck with that. So detailed in this fight, though, a lot of people don't know. There's a part in the fight where he hits his axe against the side of the boat. The axe is actually his sigil, which is the actual like squid octopus thing that actually makes the axe blade. A lot of oh, people shit. Didn't see that. That's actually pretty dope. I kind of remember seeing that, but I didn't write that down. Yeah. Yeah, just to end up what I had before I let you get into like the whole details of it. Euron overpowers Yara and takes her prisoner. And he taunts Theon into trying to save her, and obviously he freaks out and jumps overboard. But bro, one last time as this episode fades out, Euron beats Obara, Nymeria, and Yara. Within minutes of each other, it's a fucking he's a badass, <laughs> yeah. he, dude. He Slayer. He killed two. He killed Namir and Arbara, and he beat Yara in single combat after already fighting a bunch of people to even get to that shit. It was literally if you're playing Halo and you got the license Bro, to kill title that came across. Legit, like, how did Euron do kill that? streak? Like, he no one really recognizes. Everyone thinks he's just a funny like Joker guy. Like, not like not like the Joker. Like we talk about Ramsey, no, like but a, like he's just a funny guy. Who like just like makes things happen, but bro, he's an extraordinary warrior. He he beat two of the three sand snakes by himself and Yara within minutes of each other. See, I thought this was something they did amazing next to the books. Like I didn't really like the casting, but in the books he's like yes, their he is very well depicted. Badass yes. uncle with the axe. Just taking yes. down people, like very masculine. I thought they did awesome in that. But just there's so, this Yeah, take take over the like, thing and then we'll we'll close out. So I literally wrote down word for word, it's a slay fest. Imagine <laughs> if you're playing Goldeneye and it's like 50 street kill. Like he's just straight yeah. up slaying. So you're on, uh, Yara actually gets on the ship first. Um, so Yara herself, she actually kicks ass at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually stabs a guy, slices another from, I always say, the groin. <laughs> the crotch. The groin. Up through it's the, the stomach. It's the groin. How is it hard to say? It's the groin. From the groin. From the groin hairs of long years Like, past. it doesn't even look a groin. <laughs> the pubic groin. Anyway. Where's the W? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, literally stabs a guy through the stomach and then takes that same spear, pulls it out to the guy behind her, and slices him from the crotch, not the groin, all the way through the stomach. Then pulls it out again and stabs another one and slices through his stomach beside her. At this point, she kills two more and's already killed five in the first five minutes. Literally five people within the first five minutes. That's insane. Um, and then on the boat, 
So when it smashes down, this is like right as the boat's smashing down. Remember it has like the big golden teeth? Mm-hmm. It looks almost like some alligator shit yeah. that just smashes the boat. Yep. Like the boat is sinking at this point. She kills two more as Euron starts just hacking through people with the axe. Dude, just real quick, the real quick thing. Think about how much, like, how big you just, like, hyped up Yara there. Like, she was a badass, killed a bunch of people in that amount of time. Those were nobody warriors. Euron nobody. took down maybe to- top 50 warriors in all of fucking Westeros and the Song of Ice and Fire. He took down two Sandstakes and Yara within minutes of each other. Nobody. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I just, and, yeah, no, yeah. that was kind of my point. Like, Euron... Is just hacking through people as he's getting on the boat. Like, just one by one by one. Taking them down, down, down. TNA. By the way, is this a fucking actor change? Is this another actor change? It's not. She just has longer hair. She looks completely different. She looks like, yeah, very attractive, actually. So it's Tyen. Is her name Tyen? Tyen. I always TNA. Reminds me of TN from Dragon Ball Z. TN with the I. Anyway, so she takes a throwing knife and takes out her first Greyjoy soldier as Yara looks at her and says go down to the deck keep she doesn't say your mom keep her safe referring to Alaria Alaria, who's downstairs so she goes down there uh, as the ships completely continue to burn this is when at the point you know you have that big mass that falls with the fire hits the bottom of the ship it's burning Yara's standing over on the side Visually stunning. This is what the season does best, is it's visually stunning. You're standing over the side of the deck watching this thing just completely. All their ships are burning. Completely. Com- burning completely. We're Guys, remember, it all. remember the, the last time we did this, I told you to take a shot every time Chase says completely. You guys have about 12 shots to take. So yeah, far. you guys should be uh, trash <laughs> by this point. But everything's completely, again, I even wrote it in my notes, ship is completely incinerated. (laughs) Uh, And now, yeah, that's great. Um, And she's kind of looking over the ship like, how could this happen? Like, we were on top of our game. And then she blocks another guy as he's running up to her while she's on the side of the ship and slices another one's throat. So that's two more. And she's still like, she sees Euron at this point. And then Euron puts down the axe. And then Obara and Nymeria, that's when they start to attack Euron. Mm-hmm. This is when this shit goes down. As Euron puts down the axe through another soldier's head, completely cutting it inside the skull as the skull collapses through the door. You're like, you know how Chase really exaggerates things? Fuck no, it's not exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> and then he hits another one through the neck as... Oh, is Obara has the whip, right? Uh, no, Nymeria has the Nymeria. whip. Obara's got the spear. Gotcha. Nymeria takes the whip and like tries to like choke him with it, mm-hmm. like hits him around the neck, and he's grabbing it. So what he does was he like reels in with this thing, almost like I want to say coiling it up, grabbing her through, and then when he does, he punches her right in the face, knocking her about like what ten yards back, I would say, onto the ground. And then you have the other sister, wants to be the savior, Miss Obara over here, swings and then misses again with her spear. Doesn't do shit, completely misses Euron, because he's a fucking badass. (laughs) And then Nymeria hits him with the whip again, and pulls, as he pulls her in, he headbutts her, completely knocking her down. Completely knocking her down. Completely. Uh, and then Obara runs with the spear again, getting up again. So the second time, kicks him in the head. So she does this kind of like 
side roundhouse it's, kick. It's called a switch kick. It's yeah. called a piece of shit. Because it doesn't <laughs> work is what it's called. Euron takes the spear that she just shoved at him and missed, grabs it in the air, and pulls it down straight up through her stomach, impaling her and shoving her all up through the sky as the blood you pours missed, out her you mouth. You missed one really important part. He takes the spear, goes around her back, and Hulk pulls her in like a hug. Oh, and yeah. Breaks the spear in two and shoves both up into and her. And both of them. Yes. And he lifts... Here's the big part. Yeah. Lifts her up as she's bleeding out her yep. mouth. Yep. Like, she's literally dying as she's being held up. Yep. Like, Dracula crucifying some motherfucker on a stake. Shit was crazy. That's what's going on. Uh, Obara... That's still left. No, a Nymeria. Uh, Nymeria. Yeah. You know, I'm a terrible you. name. I got you. Nymeria that's still left kills another guy as she's seeing her own sister hoisted into the air. Takes the whip, tries to hit him again with the whip, and with his strength, completely grabs the whip and wraps it around her throat, choking her along the side of the ship. Takes her head, bangs it on the side of the ship. Basically, you're almost you're seeing stars at this point. You're completely seeing stars, and this is oh, completely seeing. Is stars. it Nymeria? Nymeria is one of the Nymeria. Ones, yeah. Right. Okay. Always get the names. Um, and then as he's still choking the life out of her, and then of course, uh, what he does is at this point, she's basically almost choked out, and then it cuts a little bit to I always say TNA Tyene 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 is at the bottom. As she's cutting people, she takes like five people down she herself, does. by the way. And she's the As youngest she's and smallest of all the sand snakes. So I got to give her credit. But uh, she gets and overpowered, then yeah. Euron looks over at Yara and he says, give your uncle a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before, you, before you go into that battle, just think about this real quick. Euron killed Obara with her own spear and Nymeria with her own whip. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to go into that at the end. Because it has a great oh, scene with us. Shit, man. It's just like, it's so crazy how they he used their own weapons against him and killed him. Oh, it's him. insane. But, yeah, Think yeah. about this. He's taking down two of the Sand Sisters and Yara. So, yeah. They're um, some great warriors. Insane. Talk about the fight between Yara and Yara. So, he hits Yara, completely knocks her down completely. as she's running towards her. Completely take another shot. <laughs> take another shot in the completely game. Um,. Euron actually swings and misses at her a couple of times. So she's starting to hold her own. You can definitely tell she is the best of the group that's there. Um, and then Euron is hacking through people and she grabs a soldier and uses him as a body shield. And the axe <laughs> goes did. into the dead body. Yara tries to swing back at him with the sword she has in her right hand. But completely overpowered. <laughs> completely. Punches. Completely again, take another shot. Punches her in the stomach three times and tackles her to the ground. Literally like a football game. Theon tries to hold his own just a little bit for a second. Kills another. Kills one guy. While Euron is holding Yara hostage. So at this point, he's got, you know, the axe to her throat. Mm -hmm. He's like, Theon! Little Theon. Come on, you cockless coward. I have her. Come and get her. And keep in mind, people are screaming on the ships. Yeah. People are dying, bleeding. It sounds like a freaking horror film. <laughs> like, Theon knows they're lost at this point. Here it comes, baby. Reek! Uh, Reek! I, I hope you guys kept that away from your ear when you You might want that. to turn fucking your volume a, down damn. a little bit. Yeah, fucking A. Fucking A for Theon getting his fuck on because Ramsey ain't there. Theon looks down he gets to kind of deflect another guy attacking him and shakes his head. Not 
sure what to do. He's kind of being com- like he's conflicted. He's conflicted. He's conflicted. Should I go save my sister? Or should I? Should yeah, I? So, like, should I jump survival. off the ship? Basically, he's in survival, survival mode because he like he knew what happened last time he was taken and tortured, and he does not want to go through that again. Goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and like a fucking free willy dolphin, <laughs> Rick jumps off the ship, does a nosedive like fucking Peter Pan and cliffhanger off the ship, leaves his sister there. Everyone's in despair. Euron has taken over the entire ship, and the camera pans out. You see Nymeria hanging off the front of the nose on the By ship with her own whip. Why you have Obara? Mounted, stabbed through the stomach on the mask. Just so you can see this. So I counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yara killed seven people from what you can see. Euron took on the big three, not to mention literally basically took down an entire army by himself. Like it's just absolutely insane. And basically what the whole point of this Whole battle is at the end. Ramsey still had his way. Reek will never leave Theon, and he jumps off the ship like a little bitch. I don't think he'll never leave it because we get to that point where he finally like turns the page. But you're right in terms of that. Uh, in terms of at that point in time, he still hasn't shaken the fact that he is Reek. But um, one thing I wanted to say, like not we don't take away that from the end. What we take away from the end is that Tyrion's plan did not work. He was outsmarted by Cersei and Jaime and Euron, and they they destroyed the entire uh, Iron Fleet that they had with Yara and Theon commanding it. They destroyed that entire Iron Fleet with the Dornishmen on it, meaning the Dorn can no longer attack King's Landing from the south. Just that's so you, the, that's the, like the military badass part of it. You hit it dead on. And just so you guys see a Halo kill count here, I have Yara. Seven, Euron, nine, Nymeria, one, Obara, zero, Theon, three, Tyene, Tyene, <laughs> Tyene, five, and that's just what we can see. I mean, that's insane. Not to mention Euron, which really I'm sure Obara, Obara was the strongest of snakes, so I'm sure she killed a couple people before she fought. Euron, this is just like, what we, we can see. see. Yeah, I know. What yeah, you're saying. so it's but uh, it was crazy, it, man. And I. Going off what the director said, it took them weeks to film this. It really was the Pirates of the cool. Caribbean scene that we were longing for for years out of the three. Super, the super dope. Pirates of the Caribbean. So. And so concludes episode two. And so concludes yeah. uh, our our first part of season seven here at Factor Fantasy. So, um, yeah, guys, that that that'll, that'll cut us off for today, just finishing up with that last scene. I think that's a good place to leave everyone out. That's, a, Great that's something to keep yourself thinking about next, yeah, for the man. week while before we get back here again. Freak! So, <laughs> get awesome. your reek on. Oh, you smell like shit. <laughs> get in your kennel. Damn. So, yeah, guys, uh, thanks for joining us here again. Uh, just like always, we want to say thank you to all the viewers. Like we said, we always got new workings every single time. Every single week we come back here, we give an update on, on where we're at. We've gotten to the point where we're going to be able to be put on the home page, the feature page here. That's going to be, what, September 14th, you said? 14th. So September 14th there. In the meantime, our YouTube has grown by multi-hundred subscribers, which is awesome. Big thanks and shout out to you guys for um, not only just listening to us, but spreading us around to your friends and family. We love it. Uh, not to mention our our listeners on uh, just the podcast side. I think for the host Podbean has, yeah. has we're in what twenty six, twenty seven countries now. Uh, it's it's growing by the day, by the week, and we have no one to thank but you guys. So 
Um, for those of us who listen to us for the very first time, uh, you know, if you love what you hear, click subscribe, follow us on all the social media pages. We'd love to have you as part of our family here at the Ridiculous Crew. But um, yeah, man, I think I think this is the time to, to close them out. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's time, and you know, what's great, you know, like I always say, you know, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, ridiculouspatronus.com. Uh, I mean, me and Josh love your comments. We love your reviews. Um, I mean, trust me, there was a time we literally thought we would be at this point <laughs> by the middle of the summer. Like we had no idea this would kick off like it is and we're going to keep growing and we're going to give you the content you want. And that's, what's great is you see these long episodes and uh, it really just goes to show you guys uh, would love you guys for it. And it allows us to do uh, what we love to do, giving you what you want. Awesome. So guys, until uh, next week, this has been the ridiculous crew. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, Signing off. off.